What's up and welcome to the HorrorCast, episode number 52. That's right, we're back and episode number 52 is our year-end special. Shut up, I know it's February, but uh, <laughs> January is a month that we get to watch all the movies that you're cramming in, cramming in, cramming in to try to get uh, as, as many 2018 watches as possible so we can do our top 10 lists. So I am uh, you're one of your hosts tonight, Mark Nato, podcasting from Maryland. Uh, wanted to give out a shout a shout out to Walshy. He's not going to be with us tonight. Um, frankly, he's been so busy he probably hasn't seen ten 2018 horror movies. Uh, <laughs> he he's one of those guys. He loves the old classics, and um, he will watch like all the Scream Factory things that come out. So that's that's probably what his list would be. <laughs> whatever came out on Scream Factory. But, uh, and Horror Gal will hopefully jump on with us as she is stuck in LA traffic right now. But I do have three of the most handsome. Oh, wait a minute. This, these are the, the wrong show. No, these, these aren't the handsome co-hosts. These are the humble and meager, uh, podcast hosts. And I'm going to start with Mr. Venom from out in LA. Hey, how you doing, Mark? Hello, co-hosts and listeners. Hope everyone's doing well. Um, very excited to talk top 10 in what was a fairly stellar year in horror as far as uh, my opinion goes, but I'm sure we'll get into that as we go along. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. <laughs> uh, we're going to bring the newbie in next, the Captain Creepy. Uh, this is This is your first year, really, of watching more than normal horror. Um, you know, you would watch a horror movie here and there, but this is the first year that you kind of sought them out, right? That is correct. I uh, was very diligent with uh, trying to catch up with you guys, but uh, I still got a lot of homework to do. But I, I did get at least 10 of them in for this uh, top 10 list. That's right. That's right. Proud of you. Proud Thank of you, you Captain. <laughs> and last but not least, let's bring in Revenant Vin from up in Connecticut. Hey, uh, yeah, I definitely always look forward to these uh, these episodes. Um, it's nice to just kind of look back and have an overall positive discussion about the genre. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, this is just always one of my favorite episodes of the year. I, uh, it's, it's well known that I love lists and I love putting them together. But um, let's just start it off with daggone that I have a hard time putting this list together this year. Uh, and that is because, in my opinion, this is the best year for horror, like overall, that I can remember. And that's saying a lot because the last three or four years have, have really been strong mm. and have brought us, you know, things like The Witch. And, uh, I mean, help, help me out here. What's some other stuff that has come out in the last couple of years that are, I mean, they're just mainstays now. I mean, some great, great stuff. Yeah, I mean, we're talking it, get out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. The mist. You know, depending on how far back in the two thousands you want to go. But yeah. uh, I, I'm, I'm totally on board with you, Mark. I, I honestly think this has been the best year of horror this millennium so far. Yeah. I, I think that. Um. I, I've said this, man. I've, I've heard uh, a few people say this on their podcast top tens or or uh, best of eight, 2018 shows that we're in a golden age of horror. Uh, I, I've said that for the, the last four years. Mm -hmm. It's just, there has never been, and I'm including the eighties. 
Uh, there's never been so much quality horror available. Mm-hmm. And that, that is because of, you know, the resurgence just the last few years of horror at the cinema, which by the way was pretty much dead. I mean, you, you would get a saw movie, you know, at Halloween, mm-hmm. hopefully, and maybe something got dumped in January. But, <laughs> um, you know, the last few years, they are seeing that horror makes money. Yeah, I'm wondering if streaming has a lot to do well, with it. I well, mean, yeah, I was yeah. going to go on there. So go ahead and yeah. say what you're going to say. Well, no, I mean, it, I was giving some thought, uh, giving this some thought, but because um, one of the things I noticed this year was, and it's kind of, it seems like it's been going down every year, but a lack of teenage horror. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you, you think about it throughout the 80s, the 90s, the first decade of the 2000s so much horror was directed at teenagers. Like it was really kind of still a teen genre, you know, it was always teenage protagonists and, uh, you know, they were the targets all the time. But now, I mean, especially this past decade, um, you see more and more, the protagonists are adults or their parents, or, you know, it's the, the horror has gotten consistently more mature. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wonder, you know, the fact that, teenagers maybe are not going to the theater as much and they are, you know, going to the theater is expensive. Um, I think that adults probably can afford it more often than teenagers at this point. Uh, you know, teenagers are, I know the ones that I teach are often content to hang out on the weekends and just binge Netflix. Um, so I think that's part of it. Uh, you know, and I think one of the things, things that I've seen as an effect of, you know, like binging Netflix is I've seen young people, um, their their patience for boredom has lessened quite a bit. Uh, you know their their uh, their attention span and a lot of things. However, I wonder if it has made them more tolerant of long form storytelling because of how much they binge. Yeah. So I wonder if they're willing to be more patient with films when they see them these days. Because, like I said, the the films that are coming out they're they're not filled with all these fake jump scares all the time. You know. Um, I remember, uh, you know, we watched uh, Slender Man, you know, one of the films from this year, and that had a lot of jump scares, and they had to remind you every five seconds that you were in a horror film. But then a little while later, my wife and I were watching Pie Whacket, mm-hmm. and there's a teenage protagonist, and I'm like, I turned to her at one point, I'm like, we're half, we're halfway in this movie. It's a horror movie. Has this movie had to remind you once that you're in a horror movie? Mm-hmm. You know, and it didn't. It just, it just let the story go. It let it build up naturally. You know, um, so I think that. You know, we're we're seeing a difference. I think that's that's elevated. You know, this is just one possibility, but I think it's elevated uh, the genre quite a bit in the past decade. Yep, I'd agree with you. I'd agree with you. I mean, I, talking about you know Netflix, who has started coming out with just tons of, uh, I would say they're going to call them Netflix originals. Netflix didn't pay for these movies to be yeah, a lot of times. Yeah, they'll buy them or acquire them after they hit a festival or something. Um, and man, they've had some great stuff this year. You got Hulu, uh, has some good stuff. Of course, Shudder, which I think Shudder has, uh, stepped up their game, um, yeah. over, over yeah. the last year. Uh, and you're gonna, you know, you're gonna hear things on our list from all of those things. Maybe not Hulu, but, um, Hulu does have like three or four movies this year. They were like, they were called like into the dark Yep. series. And I'm telling you, I didn't see any of them. Because, ah, too bad. Yeah. I, I just, 
you know, I, I found out about them too late and I'm not a big Hulu person, but, uh, I saw them and then I wanted to, uh, try to squeeze them in to make sure to see if they were any good. And I've heard some, some mixed reviews, but they're, they're dipping their toe in the water and mm-hmm. that's good. That's good stuff. And, um, yeah. So, and then of course on demand, it's crazy and there's just so much, so much content out there and it's just not trash. You know, it's good stuff. Good stuff. I just um, want to chime in and, and, and say two magic words to the, somebody has been a big influence on in the horror genre and, and the community. Also the industry would be Jason Blum. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's, uh, that, that guy's trying to buy up everything. He's trying to buy up, uh, right, uh, Friday 13th, right? And he's trying yeah. to buy up the, uh, the and he's still needs movies justice too. The Universal Monsters. <laughs> um, he's already actually he already has a licensing deal with Universal. Uh, Universal will never outright sell the Universal Monster uh, universe, but Just license it. But yeah, they'll let other people, you know, filmmakers that they trust, kind of dip their toe in it. And yeah, uh, I think the first one we're getting is going to be Lee Winnell, uh, direct writing and directing the Invisible Man. Yeah, that that'll be good. Uh, yeah, I think that is. Uh, it gives us hope that they're going to go somewhere other than just kind of like the actiony, you know, movies starring The Rock and Tom Cruise and that sort of thing. Um, that might float some people's boats. And, and I don't think that The Mummy from a couple of years ago was as bad as a lot of people thought it was. But I'm right um, there with you. I liked it. Yeah, but it it wasn't it wasn't a horror movie. <laughs> it was just it was an action movie. With with a few um you know horror kind of tropes in there, but like the anyway, other mummy yep. movies. <laughs> yep, yep. All right. Well, I'm just gonna briefly talk about uh how did horror do at the box office this year, and of course it didn't do as well as it did the year before because the year before had Get Out, and mm-hmm. it had It Chapter One. Those were blockbusters. I mean, huge. By the way, Get Out is the number 16 horror movie of 2018 because uh, it's still made <laughs> uh, over half a million dollars yeah. in 2018. Uh, more than Death House. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> uh, I'm sure Death House was only in a few screens. But um, the first uh, the first ranked movie, I'm sure everyone can, can guess what this is. It's A Quiet Place. Um, it made 188 million. Pretty good. Second place, Halloween 2018, uh, 159 million. Then we've got The Nun. It <laughs> came in at 117 million. Those are the three horror movies that topped $100 million. After that, you get, uh, The First Purge with uh, 69 million. The House with a Clock in Its Walls. Uh, pretty good. Little movie directed mm-hmm. by Eli Roth there. Insidious, The Last Key. Goosebumps 2. Uh, Hereditary is number eight with 44 million, which is actually pretty good. Uh, considered, I don't think that movie really, uh, I mean, that, for, it wasn't for the masses, you know? No, definitely not. A to anything A24 does is probably not for the masses. So yeah. 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 Uh, number nine, Slender Man. Still, it, a lot of people hated it. I didn't think it was as bad as a lot of people said. Still made $31 million. Um, and then number 10 is The Strangers Pray at Night with $24 million. Um, a re-release of The Fog made $21 million. And then the last uh, 
four to round out the top 15, The Possession of Hannah Grace, which I thought was a pretty good little movie. Uh, did anybody uh, else see that? Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought it was it was fine. It's um, it's a girl walk, walking halls. Yeah. That's the whole movie. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. It wasn't anything earth shattering, but no. Yeah. Uh, Hellfest at yeah. uh, thirteen with eleven million. Unfriended Dark Web and fifteen Suspiria that made two two million uh, four hundred and eighty three thousand. There you go. Not bad for a limited run. No, not bad at all. So that's that's the top ten or uh, and top fifteen. Of uh, box office horror, not bad, but uh, again, when you're dealing with the year that 2017 had, um, it, it is a little bit down. But we can expect that next year probably to be this year coming up, right here, 2019. I mean, because we've got it chapter two and a couple other things coming out, and I think it'll be another big year. Yep. So, all right, guys. Well, what we're gonna do? Let's just get right into it, and we are going to. Each person is going to give their overall, um, I guess you would call it, I'm going to give a 20 through 11. Some people might call it honorable mentions. You don't have to rank or uh, assign a number to anything. Just any movies that you think need to be mentioned um, in a best of 2018, but they didn't quite make your top 10. And, um, let's see, let's see. I'm going to start with Mr. Venom. All right. Well, I also have exactly 10 honorable mentions, um, to start out a great year for Nick Cage and horror this year. He put out two uh, outstanding films. And the first one that I'm going to mention is the one that came out earlier in the year. That's mom and dad. Absolutely fun little movie. kind of, uh, you know, infected, type storyline of parents attacking their children if you haven't seen it by now by all means it's a fun fun movie one of the one of the more fun movie going experiences i had at the theater this year uh after that we have the cured a zombie film that kind of looks at a post zombie apocalypse uh countryside uh kind of how they handle basically they come up with a cure uh, the people that were zombies that have been cured of the zombie virus are now looked upon as second-class citizens. So obviously there's a lot of social commentary involved, but um, really, really good movie. That one stars Ellen Page, and I- I'm not usually a big Ellen Page fan, but considering how much I hated her character in this movie, she must have done a great job. So <laughs> that's the cured. Uh, another zombie film, this one's called Patient Zero. Yep. This this one starred Stanley Tucci as a uh, one of the smartest zombies we've probably ever seen in uh, the, the movie universe. Um, can talk, can communicate. He actually was a college professor in life, then caught the zombie virus. But in this particular world, the virus doesn't you know necessarily always make you into a you know slobbering savage animal. Um, at times. You still get to keep some of your intelligence. And that added kind of a cool little angle to the zombie genre that we hadn't seen before. Not a perfect film by any stretch, but a fun little film. I enjoyed it, and and it got zero, like, no one talked about that movie. Yeah, very few people talked about it. It was too bad. Kind of a slow year for zombies, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. but uh, we'll get into that more. Uh, Next on my list is actually Bloodfest, not Hellfest. Um... 
I, I really liked the variety of antagonist in Bloodfest as opposed to Hellfest, which was just a straight slasher. Now, I will admit that Hellfest is a better made film. Cinematography is better. Soundtrack is better. Acting is better. The writing is better. It, it, all around, it's a better film. But I personally liked Bloodfest more. It was a little bit campier, had a little bit more comedy involved. And like I said, the fact that it wasn't just one uh, antagonist that there was like a variety there was one main one obviously but there were like different quote-unquote monsters running around the park so yeah. I, I like i said i like that um next on my list is uh a netflix film from very early in the year this is called last ones out this is a south african zombie film uh very artistic you know not not the most action-packed movie uh, very slow, kind of deals more, kind of like the cured where it deals more with the human element, uh, involved in a zombie apocalypse as opposed to just a group of people trying to survive. So, you know, again, you get some pretty good performances, you know, good writings, beautiful cinematography of the South African countryside. So, um, that is, uh, like I said, that was on Netflix. I'm not sure if it's still there, but if it is, by all means, check that one out. Next on the list is Cold Hell. This is a Shutter exclusive kind of a kind of a rape revenge film, but without the rape. Basically, our female protagonist witnesses a murder early in the film. Uh, the murderer, the serial killer, actually sees her face, whereas uh, the girl doesn't see the killer's face. So the killer knows what she looks like, knows where she lives. So it becomes pretty much a cat and mouse game from there. But the the wrench that they put in the works with this one is that the female uh, protagonist is actually a mixed martial artist. So she she kicks absolute ass in this movie and it, it, it culminates in a great, great little fight sequence at the end between our main uh, protagonist and antagonist. So that's uh, cold hell. That is a shutter exclusive. Next is another Netflix exclusive um, before I wake. Uh, this one was definitely a little bit of a different kind of horror movie. Some people might not even consider it a horror movie. I mean, there is a legitimate cr- creature in the film. Yep. Um, obvious who, you know, is, is the, uh, the, uh, creation of a boy whose dreams, uh, come to life and the story around that monster, the canker, they call them mm-hmm. is just, I absolutely love it. And it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking, especially if you've ever, um, dealt with the subject matter in your own family. Cause it's, it's very grounded in reality. So not the mm-hmm. dreams part, but yeah. it just, you know, what the kid is going through and what the parents have already gone through because these aren't his birth parents they're adoptive parents so yeah very emotional wanted to say that you know that movie got uh released so late in the game it's like what 2014 or 15 it was made yeah by was it flanagan right yes sir and uh it just was in like post-production hell or something somebody went out of business or bankrupt Mm -hmm. and and uh, so it got dropped on Netflix like in January, and no one's really been talking about it at all. And yeah. you know Mike Flanagan makes good movies. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of him. Yeah. If you haven't seen that, Keith, you need to watch it before I wake. Yeah. 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 Definitely still available on Netflix, so check that out. Yep. Next movie on my list is another Shutter exclusive. Well, it might not be a Shutter exclusive so much as they're the only one streaming it right now, but it's actually a... I believe it's Taiwanese film. It's called Mon 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 Monsters. Now, Mm -hmm. um, this is a movie that's 
it's a very difficult watch. Um, there's a lot of bullying. I don't know it, it, anybody who's ever dealt with any kind of bullying situations in their life are probably going to have a hard time watching this movie. I mean, the, even the main protagonist, the kid who's the quote unquote hero of the film, even he has a turn where you just kind of hate him because then because he, you know, he is bullied and then he turns around and bullies a mentally challenged store clerk in a scene that's just absolutely disgusting. Um, like I said, if you've dealt with bullying in the past or, you know, any kind of harassment, um, you know, physical harassment, then, you, yeah, you're definitely uh, you're you're going to feel something when you watch this movie. And this is one of those movies that definitely asks the question, who are the real monsters? Cause by the end of the movie, I, I dare say more than half of the people watching it are, will not be cheering for the human protagonists. I can tell you that. Cause I know I wasn't. So like I said, so that's Mon 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 monsters. It's a silly title. I know, but it's a very, very serious movie. Don't think that this is some weird Japanese movie about killer puppets or, you know, some kind of weird wacky thing that like vampire mm -hmm. clay that came out this past year was another yeah. weird and wacky Japanese horror movie. No, this one's very straight laced. Um, obviously it's not set in reality cause you're dealing with a couple of vampiritic type monsters, but, um, like I said, because of the social commentary in it very, very much, uh, you know, a, a worthy watch. Um, the next three titles are titles that at some point in the year were in my top 10, but just kind of got pushed out by other more quality titles. Uh, the first one is of course, one of the biggest horror movies of the year. And that's uh, Halloween 2018. Um, that would, that would be my number 12 of the year. So one of my top honorable mentions, we've already had an entire episode about Halloween, so there's not really much more to discuss about it. And I got a funny feeling it's probably going to show up in somebody's top 10. So I'm sure we'll discuss it a little bit more. Next on my list was a Netflix movie called The Ritual. This was a movie that was getting a lot of buzz when it first came out. I'm going to be the first one to admit I didn't like this movie as much. I loved all the horror elements, all the cult elements. The biggest problem I had with the movie on first watch was the relationship between the four men in the movie, the four protagonists. Um, their relationship just didn't feel like fluid to me. It didn't feel organic. Um, it had a, and it, and it even had kind of elements of bullying, you know, where one of the characters was constantly getting bullied by the other three. So that kind of turned me off a little bit. But on rewatch, I kind of came up on it. I understand why the, the men have the relationship that they have. So, you know, that, that definitely was, uh, one of the better films of the year. And then my last honorable mention is one that, uh, was already mentioned by name here. And that is Piwacket. Uh, Pie Wacket being a cool little witch movie. Uh, once again, kind of a slow year for witches, just like it was for zombies. Um, there were an abundance of both witch and zombie movies, but I just feel like that the highest quality of those weren't there. You know, like some of the stuff that was coming out last year, like, you know, it stains the sand, the, the sands red, blood red, or whatever the title mm -hmm. of that one was. <laughs> um, but yeah, so those are my 10 honorable mentions from mom and bat, mom and dad to pie whack it. Very nice. Good movies there. All of them. All of them. I would endorse every single one of those movies. Nice. So, all right. Let's bring in a uh, revenant Vin. What you got for honorable mentions? All right. Well, and for, yep. Go ahead. I, I want to say if somebody has like one of these in a top 10, you don't have to say it. Don't say it and spoil that. So, 
Yeah, we could bring it up when somebody else has it or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, number 20, I'm probably the only person that's going to have this, even on a top 20. Um, I, it got a lot of flack when it came out, but I, I thought it was pretty decent. Uh, but that's Bird Box. Uh, I, I, I think part of it is having little kids. You got to stop um, talking about it because it's on my top 10. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I think I think you know my wife and I that hit us with a couple movies this year. Um, having little kids and especially having a daughter who's not too far away from the age that the little girl was, and kind of putting ourselves in that same position that we saw the character in. Um, a lot of people thought the ending was totally underwhelming. I thought it was actually kind of fitting. Um, I'm also a really big Trent Reznor fan, uh, so it helped having that score. So it, it worked for me. I thought it was a pretty decent film. Yeah, I, uh, thought, I think Sandra Bullock was good in it, and I, I yeah, think it the, suffered man, from all the from all yeah. the memes. You know, yeah, all the yeah. memes. It just kept, think, people just started making it a joke. It just got overhyped. Netflix put so much marketing behind it, and then the fact that forty five million subscribers streamed it in the first couple of days. I mean. You know, anything that's going to get that popular is going to get, you know, you're, you're going to get the cool kids who hate it and, you know, want to yeah. talk smack and create memes and all that. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it suffered from its own popularity more than anything. But I, I, I'm with Vin. I, I still say it was a pretty good movie. Um, it's nowhere near my top 10 or top 20, but I, I thought it was a very solid film. Yeah, you I also did. saw twice as many films as me. So yeah, I, I did, I did like, um, I did like the fact that you never really saw the monsters, you know, I thought yeah. they were kind of like leaving it open to interpretation of what they I mean, were seeing. That was it was great like the, to uh, see Jaws uh, effect. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was great to see John Malkovich in horror. It looks like he's going to be doing some more horror in the future. Um, and Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, he's, uh, he's really an up and coming. Never mind. Never mind. Um, yeah, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed that one. Um, oh, and the other thing that my wife and I were talking about when we saw it was how, you know, this is really kind of a post-apocalypse film. And I'm seeing this kind of as a trend in a lot of these films. Um, you know, the, not everybody's a total jerk and tearing each other apart. Um, you, you see a lot more decent people than you do terrible people. And I, I kind of appreciated that approach to uh, this kind of, you know, this uh, depiction of everything falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of nice to see that. Um my number 19, uh, Mark, I know you didn't think much of this movie, um, but it's The Endless. Um, I definitely was intrigued the entire time. I liked the brothers. Um, I liked what they were doing with time. It just, it, it, it felt like a, a kind of puzzle that you were continuously un, unraveling. Um, and I, I, my overall experience with that was actually really positive. I enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. First of all, I enjoyed Resolution more than I did The Endless. Oh, same. And, and um, I find it more sci-fi-ish yes. than, than you know than straight up horror. And I just thought that that movie was you know, I don't know it was trying to be so cerebral that it was just kind of I don't know if it was over my head or what. But and I did only give it one watch, and it probably deserves more than one watch. Um, but I mean there were some. There, what was that? Uh, there was a scene with some guy outside of a cabin. Yeah, that was a cool scene. I was like, man, that was really cool. Yeah, but, he had the um, worst, the worst of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I'll give it another shot. It didn't make my my top ten or top twenty, yeah. but you know, it I, definitely tries to be cerebral. But I think I, I felt like it was grounded in the yes. two brothers pretty well. 
those guys, those guys yeah. did a good job in, in the yeah. fact that they're not really actors, <laughs> that they're the yeah. the yeah. writers yeah. and the directors of this of this thing. <laughs> and uh, I I just want them to do another movie like Spring. I, that's my favorite of theirs. I love Spring. <laughs> All right, my uh, number eighteen. Uh, this was mentioned by Mr. Venom. Uh, Before I wake. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Mike Flanagan. Um, I think this one actually, he created this in 2016, I think. So it took two years for it to finally get a wide release. Um, came out right in the very beginning of this year, or I would say 2018. Uh, but yeah, very, very effective, very sad. Um, he always has really intriguing premises. Um, yeah, I think my only, the only thing that I'm, I'm not a big Kate Bosworth fan. Um, so that was the only thing that kind of kept me from, really loving the film. Uh, but otherwise it, it was a very, very good movie. Um, number 17, uh, from Spain, we got Veronica. Uh, this is an example, you know, we've got a possession story, um, with a girl who's also dealing with, um, trying to take care of her siblings and, uh, the, the approach to this, it, this and a couple other movies this year, you know, I, I've, I've made it pretty known that I'm not a fan of the Conjuring universe. Um, I really don't like the writing. This movie, as I'm watching it, I kept thinking, this is the Conjuring universe done right. You know, I, I feel like this is a better way of doing what the Conjuring universe tries to do. Like, generally with the Conjuring universe, I hate the writing. Um, it's, I, I cannot stand the scripts, but they have talented directors that can give it really nice visuals. Um, but this actually had the visuals and it had the writing behind it. Um, so yeah, I, I highly recommend Veronica. Uh, number 16. Um, this will probably be higher on a lot of people's lists, but, um, it's Mandy. Uh, we've got, of course, this is, I don't think we need to talk about this one too much, but, you know, Nicholas Cage and kind of a, a fever dream revenge tale. Uh, you know, it's a very simple story, um, that's told in a very, yeah, very visual, creative way. Um, I I really enjoyed it. The reason that didn't get into my top ten, I think, is because it does take a while for the story to get going, um, oh. and it made me wonder really how many times I was going to return to the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the third act, but it was kind of like it it, it came down to a repeat viewing thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, number fifteen. We spent a whole episode on this, so that's uh, 2018's Halloween. Um, I'm not generally big on slashers, uh, but I, that whole middle segment of Michael Myers going through the neighborhood really won me over. Um, terrific scene. Uh, number 14, uh, this is related, um, in a similar manner to bird box. Um, this was cargo, uh, with Martin Freeman. Uh, I watched this one with my wife, um, and I'm sure she regretted watching with me because she was like emotionally devastated at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> she she did not handle that movie well. Uh, but it is especially again a parent with young kids. Uh, you know it, it it makes you it makes you kind of mentally put yourself in their position quite a bit. Um, I thought this was a pretty pretty well done movie for a very it really was a very small movie. Um, but it it packed I thought an emotional punch. Um, it's very well done. Uh, number 13. I don't know how many people are going to have this kind of thing on their list. Probably I'm the only one. Um, a very quiet film uh, called uh, The Little Stranger. Yep, I liked it. Uh, yeah, this is, it's very gothic. I love gothic. Um, I'm really, I'm a sucker for that. I like decrepit mansions and, you know, uh, remote, remote settings and um, 
you know, supernatural aspects mixed in. And this one, of course, has um, questionable supernatural aspects. But there's something very, very old school about this film, not just because it's a period piece, um, but it does kind of go the a very kind of psychological route and it makes you question exactly what's happening and what the nature of this haunting seems to be. Um, what's actually the cause of the manifestation. So it's a very quiet film. You have to be very patient with it. Um, it helps if you go into it looking at it as a historical drama first and foremost with supernatural and kind of horror tinges, you know, wrapped around it. Um, but I think if, if somebody likes movies like, I, I think The Changeling or um, uh, was it was it The Haunting of Julia, I think mm-hmm. Right. Uh, with Mia Farrow back in the 70s, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, if if somebody likes that kind of style, I think this is a very, very good fit for that. Um, now, Mark, was there anything you wanted to say? Because you were. Nope. You were chiming in. OK. All right. <laughs> uh, number 12, uh, one from Scandinavia uh, that I really enjoyed. I think this is a uh, Norwegian and that's Thelma, mm-hmm. um, a girl who. You know, raised in a very kind of uh, socially conservative household, um, goes to college, realizing that she's developing feelings for another girl. And she started having these kind of telepathic abilities that are latent manifesting themselves in uh, kind of horrific ways. Um, so this is another one that's kind of drama first. Uh, but when it kicks into some of the horror, it's, it's got some scenes in there that you're not going to easily forget. Yeah. Uh, and finally, last one, number 11, uh, Revenge. Um, just a an absolutely fun film. Um, of course, the first act is you know harrowing for what the central character goes through. Um, but it's filled with symbolism. Uh, you're not meant to take a lot of it seriously because nobody would survive certain things that this girl went through. Uh, but it's it wears its symbolism on its sleeve. Um, it, was it was there a disagreement there? Uh, I, I, I mean, yeah, kind of, yeah, but uh, I'll, I'll let you finish. <laughs> we, we might be hearing about that again. Oh, okay. we definitely will. <laughs> All right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at least with my thoughts, I mean, that, that third act, man, it's, um, it kind of takes the best of Evil Dead and American Psycho and just kind of puts them together and, um, makes for a, a very slippery, hilarious mess, uh, from what you end up seeing. Um, but very, very fun, very satisfying ending. Very nice. A- again. Uh, there's not a movie on that list that that I would say no. That movie stinks. You know, I would say to everybody, watch every single one of those movies. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, Captain Creepy. Uh, I heard you have a few, not a whole lot, but you have a few. I came up with a whole honorable mentions list for you within like oh. like that. Just because I'm good like that. But I'm going to, that comment you just made about, you know, all the movies being good on there and you wouldn't say any of them stunk. I'm going to change that because I'm going to have probably a couple (laughs) on on this honorable mentions list other than number 19 because that one's going to be on somebody's top 10 list. But I I just got to find more appreciation for it. So I'm going to rattle these off quick. I'm not going to say any description about them. You guys can comment on if you want. And I will say that the number 11 on here, I have not seen the movie. But, so that's why it's an honorable mention because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I yes. still have not got to see this movie, but I'm dying to see it. And Mark knows so which Keith, one it is. So Keith is like, absolutely. I know it's going to be good. It's, so it's going to be it's, it's going to be good. 
it's going to be on my future list. So why not just mention it now, even though I haven't even seen it yet? So here we go. <laughs> Number 20. This is more of a sci-fi movie, but uh, I've heard you guys mention it before. And that's the Natalie Portman movie, Annihilation. Uh, number 19, we got Hereditary. Yes, that is on the honorable mentions list. It did not make my top 10 again because I have to gain more appreciation for this movie. But I will mention that Tony Collette's performance is absolutely outstanding. Love it. She got, number, she got snubbed at the Oscars. Uh, I, again, even though I don't appreciate the movie as much as I do, that woman was awesome. All right, so moving on to number 18 is Cloverfield Paradox. Boring movie, but it had a really good ending, so I had to make the honorable mentions list. Number 17, here's the one where you guys are going to say this is a stinker, uh, but I have it on here anyway. Winchester. That's correct, Winchester. I, I don't think that was a stinker at all. No. It didn't It didn't meet my expectations, but right. I, I thought right. it was a decent, decent film. And it was better than Paradox. Oh, yeah, this yeah. is true. You got that right. <laughs> uh, all right. And then uh, this was mentioned already uh, by Mr. Venom. And I'm not sure if uh, Vim mentioned this one, but The Ritual, I have that at number 16. Nice. Number 15 is Hellfest. And number 14 I have one here, but, uh, I, you know, like these, hey, you were talking about before I wake about the uh, when it was made and when it was actually released. This one, I it comes up as 2018. But I also said that it was 2017, and that's the movie Stephanie. So I, if it's 2017, no, you guys, it's 20, 2018. It's 2018, yeah. okay? Because I saw it come up as 2017 too. So, uh, now, yep. I, okay. I, I would say that's worth a watch. That, that's a movie that I was like, "What is going on?" Exactly. Uh, and let me and guess. Good little twist there. I liked it. Exactly. And this one, uh, the next one is the recommendation by Mr. Martinado, and that was The Lodgers. Yes. And that was, Yep. And then, uh, Before I Wake was another Mark Nato, uh, recommendation. It was one of those nights, uh, where you wanted to Netflix and chill. And, uh, I called him up and said, man, I need a good horror movie for tonight. And, uh, I'm a big fan of Mike Flanagan as well. So, and he, one of his other, uh, we'll say quote unquote movies made it on my top 10. And number 11, I know you guys have been waiting for this. You've been. Just holding on to your seats. And that is the movie Overlord. And it would have been on my top 10 if I would have hmm. actually got to see the movie. He, he thinks. He thinks. <laughs> He's almost positive. I'm almost positive. That's the it's main a- movie that I wish I had been able to see this year that yes. I wasn't I'm able to catch. It. It's at least half a horror movie. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right. All right. So it's time for my honorable mentions. I got 20 through 11 here. Uh, number 20 is a movie from Albania called the bloodlands or just bloodlands. I don't know if you guys have seen this at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can pay three ninety nine and watch it on prime video. Um, man, it is, um, it, this is one of the movies that I was like really wanting to put in my top 10. It's definitely not for, for everybody, but it's about, um, a family in Albania and the tradition that they're, um, dealing with and like a, like a, um, there's another clan that they're kind of feuding with and it goes into like the supernatural realms. The movie is beautiful to look at. I mean, it's, it just came out of nowhere for me. So, um, yeah, if you get a chance to, to watch bloodlands, uh, I, I would say, please do so. I think it's worth your time. Number 19 is here. I'm going all foreign here, by the way. 2018, hell of a year for foreign films. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, there were so many of them that I want to mention on this show, but I just, I don't have time. Uh, but this one is, uh, from Iceland, I believe. It's, uh, I Remember You. Yeah. Uh, this one, I believe, is on Netflix now. Uh, it has, um, a couple different storylines going at the same time. Uh, it's kind of like a, a ghosty type movie, but it's kind of hard to explain. But I promise you, if you don't mind reading subtitles, uh, you don't mind that sort of thing, the movie's completely worth it. It's uh, it's a really well-made film. It's got some creepy parts to it. But I'm, you know, I'm one of those guys, like, I really, really like story with my with my film, you know. And, and not that every horror movie that I watch has to have, like, some deep story or some complicated whatever uh which you'll you'll find out here in a minute when I tell you some of the other movies that are on my list, but this one was just uh, you know, it was really well done. Uh, number eighteen, uh, this one was in my top ten and it kind of kept sliding down because of other movies. But uh, what keeps you alive? Mm-hmm. Um, I just really I was blown away by this movie because uh, I wasn't it, when you go into something and you're not expecting anything. Um, this one is about. Uh, uh, a wife and a wife, a lesbian couple that go into a cabin in the woods in the mountains um, to kind of celebrate. I don't know if it's a year. I don't know what it is, but they're celebrating and something happens that just kind of throws a wrench into the works. Let's just say that. And it becomes more of like a survival movie. And there is a scene in this movie that involves like a black light. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "This is, this is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. This is incredible." You know, there's like piano. She's playing a piano. I was like, "Wow." Um, so yeah, what keeps you alive? Seventeen, and I haven't really heard a whole lot of people talk about this movie. It's a Shutter um, exclusive, and it's called Stillborn. Mm-hmm. I really I saw, enjoyed this. Yeah. yeah, I liked it. I just have a, a thing, man. When when moms. Are having issues with the baby, you know, or she thinks the baby's in danger and all of that, and and it just it creeps me out. <laughs> and uh, this lady basically uh, is is a newborn, uh, or, or a new mom to a newborn, and her husband gets a new job, and, and she's like all alone with this baby in this big house, and it and it kind of makes you think: is this like postpartum? Is this all in her head? Is something really trying to get her out of her baby? You know, I don't know. It, it was good. It was good. 16, Overlord. <laughs> this <laughs> is one that um, I really enjoyed in the theater uh, big time. I haven't watched it again since uh, uh, it came. Well, we have, it hasn't even come out. Okay. It's not, uh, yeah. another another couple weeks. But, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I like, I like war movies, and, of course, I like horror movies. And this is a blend of those two and i really enjoyed it um it, it, it got close to my top 10 but overlord 15 is hellfest remember what i said about needing a complicated story you know i don't need any of that <laughs> you know sometimes i do sometimes i don't hellfest was just a really well-made fun like return to like i would say even more like 90s slasher yeah. You know, not exactly 80s. There there was 
there was a couple of kills where you know they were like okay we're 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 winking and nodding here at the 80s but um yeah i just enjoyed that movie 100 percent 14 is another slasher slash home invasion and it's called he's out there mm-hmm. um what's the girl's name yvonne stravetsky i don't know what how, how to say her name she used to be the, the blonde haired chick in uh, dexter and uh chuck before that but um her and her um her kid are out of the cabin in the woods waiting for her husband to show up so they can have a little little vacation out there and there is a dude in a mask and that's all i'm going to say <laughs> there there was honestly <clears throat> one of the creepiest scenes i've i've saw this year in that movie uh when when that when that guy comes in and sits down on the bed and, and talks to the little kid. Uh, I was just like, oh crap, is this happening? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, 13 is The Lodgers. It was in my top 10 for most of the year. Creepy, Irish, big house ghost story. Uh, really enjoyed it. 12 is Hostile. Uh, again, haven't heard a whole lot of people talk about this. This is a movie. Uh, it's a zombie movie. Um, about a, a girl who uh, she's out in the post-apocalyptic wasteland and she has like an, an accident and she's got a broken leg and she's trapped in her, her vehicle. And of course, when the sun goes down, that's when these creatures come out. And what happens in this movie is that it flashes back um, to her life before. And I, I it just got, it hit me in the feels, uh, I would say. It's got good creature work. Uh, which is his name? Javier Baudet mm-hmm. is, is the creature. It's got some, some good stuff in it. I really enjoyed it. And the last one, and again, I haven't heard a lot of people talking about this, and it's called Housewife. Uh, did you, anybody see that? Nope. Housewife? <laughs> oh my gosh. This nope. is, uh, this is one of those, um, movies that you're like, I'm not exactly sure what's happening here, but I know that it's weird and I know that it's gross, but it's, it's, uh, it, it's about a housewife and she kind of, uh, is having some, some things happen, uh, that are making her question her sanity and, and all that. And let's just say it kind of goes in a, um, um, oh my gosh, my mind just went blank. <laughs> Come on, give me. The, the tentacles come on lovecraft oh. uh, it goes like a, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't i couldn't think of it man i'm getting old uh, it goes in a lovecraftian kind of thing at the end and the ending really like like my, my jaw my jaw dropped the, the last scene of this movie number one was disgusting and gross and it was directed by can evan Ev, uh i think that's the same guy uh, if you watched um, Baskin a couple years mm. ago, uh, and that was another movie that was weird as crap, but this this one is is better than Baskin. So better, wow! Oh yeah, yeah, it's better than Baskin. <laughs> it's not as like badass crazy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's uh, the the ending goes crazy, but I guess. Yeah, yeah. So that's it, man. Those are those are honorable mentions and. What I'm going to do, um, 
I just couldn't keep up with lettered box. You know, I, I tried, but you know, we, we took our hiatus and things happened in my life. I just couldn't keep up with it. But, um, I think, uh, the movies that I watched this year were down. Uh, I did about 245 was this year's count. Last year was over 300, like 330 something. So I'm down, but so there's so many that I want to like get out there. So if you are uh, a listener and you're following me on Facebook or you're on our Horrorcast Facebook, uh, what I did a couple years ago is I did a post um, and I did like the top 100. I'm not going to, you know, spoil what we talked about here on the episode, but I'm going to give you 21 through 100 on Facebook. Um, so that'll be coming in the, in the next uh, week or so. So when this when this uh, drops and you hear it and you want to hear the rest of 21 through 100, just look on the Facebook. Alrighty, it is time. Drum roll, please. <laughs> Let's get into top tens. Uh, now we're going to go round robin. Let me check real quick and make sure Horror Girl. She, well, yeah. Nope, she's still not on. Oh, well. Daggone LA traffic. Man, where would that? That was weird. Because when, when she first texted, uh, she said she was near UCLA. Uh-huh. I, I was farther away than that, and I got home way quicker. So I don't know if she had any stops or something, because I, I took the 405, same as her. I don't know. That's weird. Know nothing about it, but, yep. All right, so let's do this. Uh, we're going to start with Revenant Vin, your number 10. All right. Uh, it was mentioned, uh, at least by you, Mark. I don't know if, uh, I don't remember, Mr. Venom, if you said it as well, but mine is The Lodgers, uh, mm-hmm. Brian O'Malley, uh, film. This is a, this is going to be a theme with me. I mean, it's a period piece that's literally dripping with gothic atmosphere. I see um, what you did there. You see that? See that? Dripping. Uh, <laughs> literally. Uh, but you know, I, I was taken by both the story and the setting in this one. Um, I said I'm an unbashed lover of the gothic. And this is really a great tale of people who who want to break away from what others expected them. Um, and these two people are kind of stuck with the repercussions of not following what people want them to do. Uh, but it was very uh, amazing visuals, um, great setting. Uh, it just overall, it, it's, it was right up my alley. Um, a great gothic haunted house film. Um, and great, another great contribution from Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mentioned it, I believe it was 13 on my list, but yeah, from the second I saw that movie, that, that was like my top 10. It was just uh, so atmospheric, beautifully shot. The acting uh, was really good. The story was good. Yeah, it, I don't know. I don't know why it didn't get as much uh, love. I don't know. It didn't really I- hit streaming until like later in the year because I actually saw it early in the year at, at a theater out here in L.A. Mm-hmm. But it, it didn't hit Netflix until later in the year. So I think. Uh, it was it probably one of the Dread Central lost. Presents selections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, I think it was one of the first ones. Yeah. I, I think it's probably uh, one of the most underrated films of the year. That's what I would say. All right, Captain Creepy, what's your number 10? Coming in at number 10 is Delirium. 
That's right. You're starring your favorite actor, Topher Grace, Mark. And it was no, oh, that's hilarious. No, that that's was Jerry's favorite actor. <laughs> Jerry, that's right. Yeah. I had it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. So psychological thriller. Um, you know, it did have the, the horror element to it as well. So I won't get into a lot of that. But yeah, that was my number 10. Uh, I thought that he did a good job. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it kept little, you guessing. Yeah, I, yeah. I was like, is, "Is all this made up in his head?" And, yeah, yeah that's it, what it I was did a good thinking. job with writing that line for a while. Yes, and yeah, so, and I like the '90s music that was thrown into the mix. Yeah, 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 and don't uh, don't mix it up with. There's another delirium. Yeah, that came that's... out, and it's about like people going into a like a, an empty house, right? I forget what it was. It, it wasn't very good. So make sure you go um, the Toffer Grace. Uh, yeah, it's the one on Netflix. Yep. All right, Mr. Venom. All right. Well, since everybody is talking about gothic and period pieces, I might as well keep the trend going. My number 10 film of 2018 is Summer of 84. Um, this movie really, really spoke to me. It's one of those movies that's incredibly slow. For the first half, it's not even a horror movie, basically. I mean, you get a little tiny bit of a whodunit element, but honestly, you know who the killer, the serial killer is. You know who he is very early in the movie. So it's not really, you know, a police procedural type situation. It's just more these neighborhood kids suspect their neighbor of being the serial killer in question. And they're basically just trying to find proof, but it's, it's sandwiched beautifully amongst, uh, uh, an 84 backdrop. Uh, at no point did I feel like this movie was cramming eighties references down my throat. I mean, you can kind of make the argument that stuff like it or stranger things kind of is a little bit more heavy handed, with their 80s nostalgia, this one was definitely a little bit more, um, it was more in the background. I mean, you know, it was very obvious they were in the 80s the whole time. But like I said, they weren't slapping you in the face with a, with a cassette tape of uh, Disco's, you know, greatest hits of the 80s. So, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> go figure. But, yeah, number 10. Uh, I also wanted to point out, too, that this movie was... Um, it has the same production team as 2015's Turbo Kid, which was also one of my top movies of that year. So you've got the same director, the same cinematographer, and the same composer. So as soon as you hear the music start to play in summer of 84, if you've seen Turbo Kid, you instantly hear that similarity. And it's it's incredibly obvious that it's the same composer. So And I love, like I said, I already said I love Turbo Kid. I love that soundtrack. So summer of 84 just really, really spoke to me more than a lot of horror fans this year. Yeah, and I think it's kind of surprising just how dark that film gets. Yes. Oh, I love yeah. that ending so much. Such a satisfying <laughs> ending. That, that That's kind of the theme of my top ten this year is I, I wanted to have as many satisfying endings because I'm a, I'm a person that puts a lot of stock in endings. And I, a movie can be a perfect ten all the way through. If I hate the ending, it could drop to a six. And I do not apologize for that. Endings matter. So <laughs> there <Yep>. it is. <laughs> Yep, very good movie. Uh, just outside of my top twenty, but I, I wish they would put it out on Blu-ray. Is there? A, is it out on Blu-ray? Uh, not yet. I think it's still just Netflix. Okay, come on now. <laughs> Get a move on, people. Or shut, All right. I'm sorry, Shutter. Is it Shutter? Yeah, it's on. All Shutter. right. Number ten for me is a movie that uh, again 
made the festival circuit uh, in 2017, came out at the beginning of this year. Uh, Vin, we watched this together. Uh, and maybe you too, Keith. Were you there when we watched Tragedy Girls? Uh, I was there the day before when you were at the, uh, the Horror Fest down in Virginia. Yes. Yeah, I don't think I was there for that one. Yeah. I, I love Tragedy Girls. Uh, buddy on Facebook, Tim Walker. Only guy I know who watches so many more movies than me. The dude had 399, uh, flicks watched this year. That guy's mm-hmm. a, he's a, you're an animal, Tim Walker. <laughs> but he absolutely, it was his worst film of the year. Wow. wow. <laughs> he, he absolutely hates it. Uh, I don't know why. I laughed. During this entire movie, I enjoyed myself. Um, it, it had just the right amount of gore. You gotta suspend your disbelief, you know, that these two girls could do, you know, all of this or whatever. But it, and it's such a, a, a scathing, um, satire and commentary on the stupidity, you know, the need of, of social media and in, in, in today's world. But yeah, you, did you like it? I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, I, the ending, I had a problem with the ending. I thought all the kill scenes were great. I thought the scene in the gym with Craig Robinson was awesome. Absolutely great. I was, I was laughing all through that scene for the most part. Like I said, for the first, like, you know, hour and 15 or so minutes, I was totally on board. There was a couple of decisions made in the final act that kind of soured me a little bit to it, but I still, I still really liked it. Uh, unfortunately, I saw it in 2017, so it wouldn't even qualify for this year. <laughs> yeah, it ranked really high in my list last year. Exactly. But see, the, by the letter of the law, it had a wide release in 2018. But it did have a theater release in November. That was considered, 17. yeah, uh, yep. only. It wasn't a wide release. It it actually, like, it was. It, it was. Yeah. See, the, Mark, the, the <laughs> thing is, the thing that confuses a lot of people is they don't actually know what the definition of wide and limited release means. Just because a movie only plays in 27 theaters does not make it a limited release. What to limited me it re- does. Okay. Well, let me tell because, you the actual definition. But limited what I'm saying, <laughs> what, but what I'm saying, I don't care if it, if, if it's 27 theaters or a hundred theaters or whatever. Like the people who are listening to this podcast, if I were to told them in November of 2017, go see Tragedy Girls, and it's only playing in, you know, 20 theaters in the entire country, mm-hmm. that's not a wide release to me. Okay, I don't care what the definition of it is. Well, like, then okay. <laughs> if you don't want to know well, what it here's means, the thing, like... IMDb doesn't tell you how many theaters it opened up in. It just says wide release. Well, box office, so. box office mojo will give you those numbers. Yeah, and, I'm not going and, to that to try this. And, and I was, I, I was <laughs> yeah. exact with 27. It, it well, actually my, opened in 27 theaters. In my, in my estimation, I mean, I want, I want something that somebody can like watch it now. You know what I'm saying? That that's just me. Like I don't. I hate listening to podcasts, and then they say, "Hey, you know, this movie was great." Um, yeah, it'll it'll be out in like a year. I mean, that's kind of how, what happened with Suspiria, since it yeah. opened. So yeah, it's not that different from Overlord. Overlord wasn't playing in a lot of places, and it's yeah. not out on DVD yet. It's on your yeah. honorable mentions. So I don't know. It's <laughs> the same situation. What, what do you mean? 
Overlord <laughs> came out in October. I'm saying a lot of people, it wasn't playing in a lot of areas, is what I'm saying. Oh, yes, it was. It was playing like in 57 theaters in, my, in, in where I'm at. Come on now. Oh, you got better Come on selection now. than I do. <laughs> it wasn't quite as low as Suspiria, admittedly. Suspiria yeah. only opened in a couple hundred theaters, yeah. but it's still, it's still compared to like something like Halloween or The Nun. Yeah, it wasn't. It didn't open in 4,000 theaters, in other words, well, like well, Halloween. Don't, well, don't worry. Suspiria ain't making my list. So. <laughs> 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 All right. Back to, uh, Revenant Vin, right? Or do we do, do we do Captain Creepy? Uh, for, yeah, I was, yeah, I was yes, we did. We delirium did. at number 10. Yeah. All right. Back to you, Vin. Uh, so we're going to Argentina for this one. Um, terrified. Uh, Damien Rugna. Damien Rugna. I don't know if I'm saying the director's, uh, name correctly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is, uh, came out on, on Shudder. Um, really surprising how much I enjoyed this one. Uh, the, the cover, honestly, the, the poster didn't leave too much to be desired for me. Um, mm-hmm. but man, it's instead of a haunted house, you get a whole haunted neighborhood. Um, and it's essentially kind of operates as an anthology film. Uh, where each act kind of concentrates on a different character and kind of a different event that's going on. Um, sometimes a different house. Uh, it, that middle act involving, you know, w- with a kid and a bowl of cereal, and that's one of the definitely w- w- one of the one of the best horror moments for me all year. Um, that scene went on forever. Uh, I mean, <laughs> and you just kept waiting to see what was going to happen. You know, it, it yeah. was it was great. Was, I is, loved it. Is yeah. he moving? Is he moving? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I really, I love the angle of the older investigators coming in to study, um, and kind of understand what's happening. Uh, yeah, my main regret with the film really is that we don't spend enough time with these people. Uh, I'm, I'm not wild about how it ended. Uh, I, but this is a world that I would love to revisit. Again, I'm going to keep making conjuring, um, comparisons, but this is a world that I would love to see more movies explore. Um, but unfortunately, we, we get a lot of characters that seem to disappear, unfortunately. Uh, that, that, like I said, I kind of wish we got to know more. Um, but man, th- there's just some great moments inside this film. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, Captain Creepy. At number nine, we're going to this, uh, the wonderful world of Zach Bagans. It's a almost two hour long episode of Ghost Adventures, but this <laughs> time it's called Demon House. That's right. He's my number nine. And he, and he hated the house so much he had it demolished. That's right. Spoiler alert. <laughs> mm. That that's that's one of my lowest ranked movies this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to say, even though it was rated at a five point six, it's still my number nine. Well, remember, Keith has a man crush on Zach. What's his name? You weren't supposed to tell anybody. Zachy Baggins. Ah, yeah. He loves those uh, ghost adventure type things. I, 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 I scare watch the it. crap out of him. They do. I, they make. Well, you even met, uh, admitted that you were paranoid for a while after watching him shows, thinking your house was on it. Absolutely. <laughs> I, just, I just, I like ghost adventures. Like every once in a while, like, oh, but I didn't like that movie. And that was and that was a Venom uh, recommended movie. That's why I watched it. He brought that up on one of our episodes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not yeah. saying not not. I, saying, I probably liked it the least out of everybody. So. Well, I was going to say not saying that he liked it, but he brought it up. <laughs> the only so way it could have been worse for Vin yep. 
is if the Warrens came in. Yes. Oh, and then, <laughs> that, that might have saved and, it. And investigated. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, Mr. Venom, number nine. All right. Number nine. We are going to take an adventure up to French Canada. Canada. I like that. I'm going to go with that. This uh, my number nine movie, directed, <laughs> written and directed by Robin Aubert. It's uh, once again a zombie entry, and that is Ravenous. Uh, in French, it's La Femme. Uh, basically, a zombie story based out up in Canada. Some beautiful cinematography, some excellent, some of the shot selection and imagery in this movie is absolutely haunting. Some of it is head scratching. I mean. The movie ends on a slow uh, zoom in to a uh, what kind of, what kind of bird is that like a cocktail I think um, mm-hmm. the Fruit Loops bird uh, yeah uh, it's toucan toucan thank you um, so yeah it's like a slow zoom on that bird and it I mean I've I've had multiple conversations with anybody I can find who's seen it about that last scene and just like what it means, what was the director implying. And it's like, you can ask a hundred different people and get a hundred different answers, which is part of the allure of this movie. I mean, the story is very cut and dry, you know, group of survivors trying to survive uh, a zombie infestation, but they do so many different things with the zombies. The fact that they're docile at times, like if they're not, if they don't see another human, they're actually just standing calmly out in a field, staring at a pile of furniture or whatever the case may be. So it's, it's a movie filled with symbolism, filled with some stellar cinematography. Um, I can't recommend this wasn't enough. Uh, you're going to have to deal with subtitles, but Hey, some of the best movies are subtitled. So deal with it. That is Ravenous uh, from Canada. I enjoyed that movie for the most part, but there there were a lot of head scratching moments. That, yes, <laughs> you know, and there were a lot of times when I remember my wife and I were just being like, "Why is that character doing that?" You know, so um, I, I it was it's been too long since I've seen it to remember the particulars of what was irritating me. Um, but overall, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty good, but it it definitely frustrated me at times. Yeah, that seems to be the general consensus. I think I liked it more than most. Um, it really, really spoke to me. Like I said, just specifically with the cinematography and some of the some of the imagery that was used throughout was just, you know, in my in my opinion, it was masterful. Um, as far like I said, the cinematography, eh, the writing, meh, you know, it's a zombie movie. <laughs> I mean, you know, what can you really do with zombie movies? Well, apparently a lot <laughs> because there's a billion zombie movies out. Um, number nine for me is again a movie that. I have heard nobody talking about, uh, except me. Um, maybe they don't think it's quite horror, but it's called Elizabeth Harvest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And stars Abby Lee, uh, Carla Gugino, and Matthew Beard. And basically, uh, Elizabeth is a beautiful young woman who marries a brilliant older scientist husband. And they come back to his... A huge estate where he like gives her you know all kinds of stuff and then he he uh goes off to work and he explains that there's certain room that she is not allowed to enter into in in the at the estate mm-hmm. it's locked and everything and basically she can't stay away from that room uh and then what she finds out is pretty pretty uh horrifying in my opinion. This is a very uh, beautifully shot movie, well acted, 
I think Abby Lee is um is a, an up and comer. Uh, she's been in quite a quite a number of uh, uh, things. She was in um, the Neon Demon. And she mm-hmm. was the the main the main person, but um, and she was also in a movie called Welcome the Stranger uh, that not a lot of people have seen. It was it's not necessarily horror, but it was weird. But it was uh, you know, she's she's pretty striking, and uh, yeah. So watch this movie if you like kind of mind trippy. Uh, you know, sci-fi, fantasy, mystery, suspense with your horror. So that's Elizabeth Harvest. Mm-hmm. All right, Vin, number ten, uh, number eight. I'm sorry. Uh, this film, it's probably going to be controversial because a lot of people will probably say this is not a horror film. Um, and I think that there are justifiable arguments for that. Um, the thing is, I, I really don't give a crap. Uh, <laughs> it's not really a conversation I'm interested in having about exactly what horror is sometimes. Um, but I think this still, um, well, this is the, uh, Craig McNeil film, Lizzie, um, about the Lizzie Borden murders. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think, or at least the Borden family murders. Uh, uh, but I think this film still maintains a solid foot within the genre without standing fully in it. And that's, that's close enough for me. Um, we, again, we have this dramatization of the Borden case. Um, I grew up knowing about, you know, that murder and the macabre nursery rhyme at a pretty young age. I just remember hearing it and, uh, kids saying it, uh, you know, Lizzie Borden took an ax. Um, and so it, it always intrigued me. Um, I know this was a long time passion project of a uh, Chloe Savigny, if I'm saying that correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the script, yeah, it mixes history with kind of a steamy speculation. Mm-hmm. Um, but the result I think is it's dark. It's claustrophobic. Um, it's ultimately bloody. Um, and it's this tale of this kind of the oppressed position that women had in the late 19th century in New England. Um, it takes its time showing us the murders, letting us linger on the brutality and along the way, it shows us the horrific abuses that women really could be made to suffer in an undeniably patriarchal world at the time. There was nobody they could really turn to uh, for help. Um, so it, it's a historical crime drama first, but I think it passes into territory that is comfortable to horror fans. Uh, and that I think would push away a lot of your casual thriller crime uh, crime fans. Um, I know people who like crime thrillers that I think would be uncomfortable with this film. Um, so whenever I think like, who could I recommend Lizzie to, it would be, I think actually more people will appreciate horror than crime thrillers, uh, because of the direction it takes. So anyway, that's my justification. Um, I do consider it kind of within the horror umbrella. Uh, so take that what you will. So that's Lizzie. Take that. Right. (laughs) I have not yet seen it. Hey, if people are going to put upgrade and annihilation on their lists, I'm okay with Lizzie. All right. Yeah. Um, I got the Mr. Venom seal of approval. So there you go. <laughs> Back you go. off people. <laughs> All right. Captain creepy. Number eight. Number eight is also Mr. Venom's number 10 and coming in at number eight is summer of 84. Nice. Moving up two spots this week. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, uh, Mr. Venom has already, uh, gave the description of that movie. So we won't get into that. We've already heard about that. Uh, I, I liked it because I'm a big, uh, uh, Stranger Things fan. So it kind of, you know, was in the same neighborhood as that a little bit. Not, you know, so much of the, uh, sci-fi stuff, but mm-hmm. same vein. Yeah. yeah exactly. I have a- 
I have a question for you, Keith, and, and sure. anybody else who saw Summer of 84. Did you have a problem with the fact that the killer was exposed early? Like, I, little, I've heard yeah, a lot a of bit, podcasters say that they wish they would have kept that information, like, to later in the movie. I, I was just wondering what you guys thought. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I think it was a little too early. Or just, I don't know, a little bit more misdirection just to keep you, you know, strung along a little bit. Um, and, and just to also let you know, I did look it up. It is available on DVD and Blu-ray on, uh, nice. Amazon. Yeah. 99, uh, $9.99. $9.99. $9.99. $9.99. $9.99. $9.99. $9.99. $9.99. $9.99. $9.99. $9.99. $9.99. $9.99. $9.99. $9.99. $9.99. $9.99. $9.99. $9.99. $9.99.
<laughs> Some people are not going to get that reference. <laughs> Does anybody know what that's from? <laughs> Tonight, we are fighting Satan's cavemen. It's from Nacho Libra. <laughs> oh, God, I only saw that once. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Vin, number seven. Oh, uh, hey, don't I get a number eight? Didn't you do number eight? <laughs> I don't think I did, did I? Okay. Maybe no. I'm, I'm, just, I'm screwing up the order. No, no All worries. Right. Mr. Venom, number eight. Uh, all right, my number eight is uh, the debut from writer-director Coralie Farge, and that is the Shutter exclusive Revenge. Um, you know, the basic, I mean, there's not really a whole lot to get into, the basic rape and revenge um, storyline. Um, but there was a point that Vin made earlier that I have to refute, and I know that Vin was just generalizing the way that most horror movie podcasters do. But anybody who says that a human being can't survive what this woman went through didn't take the 30 seconds to do a Google search because there are multiple examples of people that have been impaled and survived. And most recently, last year, a lumberjack was actually impaled. He fell out of a tree and a giant branch, which was thicker, actually, if you see the pictures, it was actually thicker than the tree that this woman was impaled on. And, you know, th- there's shots of him in the hospital with the, you know, because the, obviously they had to cut the branch down so that they could get him into the ambulance to get him to the hospital before they could surgically remove it. Yeah, so but it you're, is, adding, you're adding steps to this that she did not have. No, absolutely. To. You're totally and absolutely <laughs> right. But there have she been earns examples. herself down and then survives in a desert after. No, I totally understand, yeah. but like I said, well, to say that it's kicks major booty too. Yeah, to, to, I'm just saying that to say that this yeah. movie is not complete, that it's completely grounded in fantasy, I don't feel is the truth. Because, like I said, do a 30 second Google search. Uh, just search impalement survivors. You're gonna see a list. I mean, there's guys that had iron rods through their head. Like through their head, like actual into their brain tissue, out the other end and survived. So just, you know, I, I understand we have to suspend disbelief for these movies. I absolutely do. And I understand that this movie has an even higher level of suspension of disbelief for you to really appreciate that third act. But just realize people. People can survive it. Now, I fully understand that this is a petite blonde party girl, and the likelihood of her surviving is slim to none. I totally that was understand. A high cliff fall. <laughs> Absolutely, very high. Very. Yeah. I mean, very. But deadly. the thing is, with this film, it it doesn't matter. Exactly. Like, well, that, that's it's not. It's not meant to be realistic. You know. Mm-hmm. It's. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Haley we're in the horror genre. This is of every single genre. Maybe you can throw sci-fi in there, but of all the genres, this is the one where you have to have the most suspension of disbelief. I mean, is an undead killer who wears a hockey mask and haunts a campsite any more realistic than revenge? I I, I would say no. Of course it is. (laughs) Oh yeah, of course it is. Jason could happen. (laughs) But anyway, so my point is, yeah, my point is, is just try to try to spend, suspend disbelief a little bit more. Try not to, you know, poo poo a movie just because one thing happens that you feel is unrealistic. You know, wait till the movie's over to judge it is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. That's a, that, that's a, a fun movie. Oh, I loved it. And what a what a great, you know, um, you know, d- directorial debut from Coralie. So, yeah, great movie. Highly recommend. It's still on Shudder. That is Revenge. All right, now we're back at Re- Revenant Vin for number seven. 
this time we're going to 1905 on a little island off the British Isles. Uh, so the uh, Apostle, I think it's just called Apostle, right? Uh, it is. It yes, is. right. Uh, Gareth Evans's film. Um, yeah, obviously I love period pieces, um, but I really like the way this one incorporates a supernatural. Um, I mean, I'm I'm somebody who's personally kind of tired of the whole, um, just kind of the heaven hell angel demon dichotomy that horror relied on for so many decades. Um, and some films still kind of fall back on that. Uh, and I just don't think it works as well anymore. Um, so I, I want something different in a lot of today's horror. And I think this one excites me for that reason, because here we're, we're seeing more filmmakers, especially since the witch came out, we're seeing more filmmakers looking to folklore and to pre-Christian, uh, mythology or paganism sometimes for inspiration. Um, I think that, a film like this where it draws on that we get more moral ambiguity um maybe sometimes a more honest commentary and the way people tend to interact with each other and with uh in this case for this movie religion and power um and how they can kind of go hand in hand uh <clears throat> but in this film we get uh, a solid cast um overall the really well-written characters uh we see plenty of flawed people trying to hold on to the the better angels of their nature um all kind of while it becomes more and more clear that the cultists that are on this island are not really alone on this island. Um, so, yeah, like The Witch and other historical horrors that have come in the last few years, I'm really excited to see what this growing kind of subgenre, um, if you want to call it that, has to offer in the future. I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, this was great. It also had potentially one of my kills of the year. Ooh, yeah. uh, that, the drill scene. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was painful. That actually, that actually elicited like an actual vocal response from me. Like I'm sitting in my living room, just like, Oh, ow, no, you know? So yeah, that, yeah. that was pretty intense. Yeah. You might be hearing that about that again. Oh, righty there. <laughs> Captain Creepy. Number seven. Yes, my number seven was already mentioned by Mr. Revenant Venn, and that was on his uh, honorable mentions list, and that would be Bird Box. That's correct. So mm. when when I go back to edit this episode, I'm just going to use his commentary. It's going to be <laughs> roll it right now. Uh, Talk about what a big Trent Reznor fan you are. Yes. Right, yes. <laughs> so the, actually, it was going to be before I wake, but we had a little, you know, unsure when if it came at 2016 or 2018. Uh, so that was actually my my number seven. But so now it's Bird Box. righty. Cool. Mr. Venom. Seven. All right. Number seven. This is a movie that I haven't seen on anyone's top 10 list. And admittedly, it's a quirky little movie. It's not one that a lot of people are talking about. I have heard at least one podcast. I believe it was 22 shots actually mentioned this one. And this is uh, Xavier Gens 2018 release, which a lot of people are calling uh, 2018's The Shape of Water. And that is actually Cold Skin. Now, this movie is a very, very subdued tale about two men in a lighthouse, basically just protecting the lighthouse from a horde of seafaring creatures that come out, uh, come out of the ocean every single night and attack the light at the top of the lighthouse. Um, I don't think they ever really get into why, uh, they're actually going after the light. It's just, it's a common occurrence, just every single night hundreds if not thousands of these creatures come out of the ocean and attack 
the lighthouse. So it's basically the story of these two men, one who's been there for a while. So he already knows kind of what the deal is. And then one guy who just arrived. So, you know, he's kind of being groomed to be the new lighthouse keeper. But obviously, in this case, lighthouse keeper also means big game hunter. So because, I mean, you basically um, the, the two gentlemen every night when the attack occurs are just um, they perch themselves up at the top of the lighthouse with a couple of rifles and just try to pick off the creatures as they come up. But I don't know why this one spoke to me so much. I just really, really Ray, Ray Stevenson's performance was amazing Uh, i thought he was great as he always is um ray stevenson is of course my favorite punisher so go figure and um the other gentleman in the movie with him david oaks um actually has kind of a weird relationship with one of the female creatures hence why we're calling it uh, uh, a newer shape of water so if you haven't seen that that's available i i don't remember if it's shutter or netflix but it's definitely available on one of those i think it was shutter i didn't get a chance to watch it yet but i think i saw it in shutter okay there. it's a long one i mean you're looking at a two-hour movie but you know usually these kind of prestige type pieces tend to run a little bit longer so yeah uh cold skin from xavier gens check it out Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Uh, the only thing is, I don't know if people who are like, you know, big time horror fans, you know, it, it's more of a, I don't know, I wouldn't even say action. No, it's a, it's definitely a drama wrapped in a drama, creature. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, definitely but, realize that, I mean, it, they barely even call it horror. It's called uh, adventure fantasy sci-fi on a lot of websites. So. You know, it's borderline. I, I, it's a creature feature, and I've always accepted creature features as horror. So it's on my list. Like Vin said, I don't care what you think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for me, number seven. Uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing about this again, but it's a quiet place. Um, very, very good uh, film that was uh, quite an experience in the theater. Um, I think that. Uh, the experience in the theater is actually better than the movie is. Um, not not crapping on the movie at all, but I, there are there are a few little nitpicks that I have about the movie that bring it from like a uh, you know top three down to like seven for me. <clears throat> but I really really enjoyed probably the best time I had in the theater this year. Uh, it was, it was, and that's, that's saying a lot because Halloween 2018, uh, just just a lot of of good movies at theater, but this one was just an experience and you kind of shared that experience with everybody sitting around you. Um, you know, so I think seven is, is a good spot for it, but I think, uh, somebody's going to have it rated higher and that's okay. That's okay. Um, I'm, I'm little little bit um worried that we're already getting a quiet place too and like where are we going to go with this um because i liked how it ended yeah um from what i understand the second the sequel is going to be you remember when he stood on top of that silo and he lit the fire and then you could see the other fires apparently it's going to be another one of those families so it's going to be okay more like a parallel movie than a true sequel Okay, good. Yeah. Good. That makes more sense. Yes. And, and, and um, you know, it'd be nice to see, like, maybe if those creatures adapt. You yeah. Know, or figure out how to, uh, 
because I, well, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, if you haven't seen A Quiet Place, you definitely need to go see that. Yep. So, uh, okay. Um, now we are back to Vin, right? Yes. Uh, number six. So number six. This one was already mentioned by you, Mark. Um, this is Joko Anwar's Satan Slaves. Um, you know, I I was really surprised by this film. Um, I really didn't know what to expect because uh, I mean, obviously, I haven't seen many, <laughs> really, any Indonesian horror films. Um, and the title didn't really excite me too much. Um, it sounds like kind of like a cheap exploitation film. Uh, and I understand that it's a it's a sequel to a film that came out in Indonesia, I think, in the eighties. Um, yeah. but I wasn't aware of that when I first watched it. Uh. But I mean, this really this is an amazing haunted house film um, with some really creepy set pieces. Um, and this is another one, kind of like Veronica, that I kind of considered The Conjuring done right. Um, there's some scenes in here that could, I think, one of you guys mentioned, uh, you know, James Wan type influence, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think this one, the way they do it, it actually makes more sense than what I've seen in the Conjuring films. Um, uh, but the story, it was it was kind of oddly foreign enough to be beyond so many Western tropes that we're used to in haunted house films. Um, but I, I really like the, I like the family dynamic. Um, they really kind of gave you something to root for. Uh, but overall, yeah, this was a really surprisingly good uh, haunting film, which haunted house really uh, films are kind of, you know, my favorite subgenre. Um, so, and th- this was by far one of the best ones I've seen in a long time. Yeah. I'll agree with the family dynamic. I think that, probably the best part of the movie you, you actually like these people and you don't really want to see what's happening to them happen mm-hmm. yep yep all right captain creepy number six well this one is uh we're getting into the stretch territory my next couple ones are stretches but i did run this by mark nato already uh so this is the uh the 10 hour long movie also known as the tv series haunting of hill house Yes, I'm cheating, <laughs> folks. But yes, I that was one of my favorites, especially uh, being a fan of Mr. Mike Flanagan. Yeah, I, I said that that you could do that because I know you would um, be very upset if you didn't get to make it. <laughs> no, but I, was I mean, gonna, come I was on, gonna have a, a tantrum. Yeah, it's definitely a, a long form, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> medium. But I, there are some people that gave that film that uh tv, TV series. series like grief what i don't even understand what they're watching yeah if the, if they didn't like that i i just don't get it i think a lot of people had problems with the ending because we got you know it, it's a very horror tv series with a very non-horror ending and i think that probably bothered some people yeah i wish i had been able to watch it but i haven't been able to see it yet oh yeah watch it it's yeah. so worth yeah. it and it and it doesn't it doesn't like start slow either. It like you're you're engaged right from episode one. It's great. Yeah. I, I would say. I mean, I, I'm not going to put it on my movies right. because it's not a true movie. True. But I'll tell you this: it was one of my top three horror experiences of the year. I mean, I I really enjoyed it, and I and I hope that they come out with uh you know the DVD of it. Yeah, event eventually because I would purchase that on day one. And they said there is going to be a season two. Yeah, yeah, and I think that uh, that that might be a similar thing as to a quiet place. Yeah, a different family. Yeah, the, yeah, different family. 
So. Yeah, yeah, Haunting of Hill House and uh, Castle Rock were probably my horror TV series of the year. Those were both stellar. Yeah. Loved them. All right. Um, Mr. Venom, number six. Number six is one that's already been mentioned in the honorable mentions list, and that is Paco Plaza's Veronica. Um, this movie was my number one movie when it first came out. It came out it came out early enough in the year. I, I think it was like January, February, somewhere in that range when it hit Netflix. And I loved it from the first viewing apps. I mean, the set pieces, this movie has some of the best set pieces for me this year. Some of those dream sequences are absolutely haunting. Um, you know, the, the, the older gentleman who's painted all black, uh, just very, very creepy. Um, you know, obviously the Ouija board scene. I mean, I can go on and on the movie, even right down to there's this one great transition in the movie where, uh, our, our main protagonist is laying down on a bed, but then the camera shifts position and suddenly she's standing. I, I just, I, I they kind of do that and upgrade a little bit, but not nearly as cool as they did in Veronica. So, um, yeah, like I said, Paco Plaza, you know, director of uh rec or, or record depending on who yep. you are. Um, yep. Great, great series. And this is another, I mean, this is another uh, just home run for Paco. Love this movie. Will definitely be, be being put into my regular rotation. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good film. And it, 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 it did um, suffer from overhype. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, which I hate when they do that because it, it puts a target on, on the back of a movie that, doesn't deserve it well not just the I mean, target i mean you're basically setting it up to fail i mean you can't yeah. you can't say something like the scariest movie since the exorcist you just you can't say those things because that's yeah. not that's not an objective statement that's a subjective statement and not everyone's going to agree with it i know a lot of people who didn't think veronica was scary and that's fine i'm not going to argue with them i personally think it was terrifying but yeah. you know that's just me yeah and and then all the clickbait Oh yeah, Facebook. You know, people couldn't finish watching it because uh, it was so scary. You know, <laughs> but <laughs> ridiculous stuff. They said that about Raw a couple of years ago, and I'm still wondering what they were talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still wondering yeah. what scene made people leave the theater in Raw. <laughs> yeah. All right, my number six is already been mentioned, but here we go again, and that is the ritual. Uh, from Netflix, I just really enjoyed this film um, and the the portrayal of the the close group uh, of friends, the the actual guilt and things that that are being dealt with as a as a group, and uh, and then the fact that something completely off the wall happens, uh, and the creature design. <laughs> in the movie is uh, pretty cool. I just I hadn't really seen anything quite like that. Uh, so uh, it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, some people might think it's a little slow uh, and that's okay. Uh, but uh, just just watch it and be prepared uh, to, to see a really, really cool creature. So that's what I would say. Number six, The Ritual. Mm -hmm. Number five, in the top five, Vin. Uh, so Mark, I had to look up on, on Facebook to get your wording right. Um, but this is the film that you call, quote, a load of pretentious crap. 
absolutely. I know what you're going to say. Right. Uh, but I enjoyed it. Uh, Suspiria. Right. Um, yeah, I think this is, it's safe to say this is maybe the most divisive horror film of the year. Um, it seems to be a love it or hate it sort of thing. I'm sure there's some people in the middle ground, but for the most part, it seems like people are falling into opposing camps, kind of like a divided Berlin. How do you know? How do you like that? Um, but, (laughs) um, and I, I admit that the film could have been trimmed some. Um, I don't think everything having to do with the old psychiatrist character was necessary. Um, I found it more distracting than anything that Tilda Swinton played more than one role. Uh, and she's a great actress, but I don't understand why she had to play multiple roles. Um, and prosthetics that were used were excellent, uh, but the skin looked a little bit too uniform to be entirely convincing. Um, so, you know, and I think a little more attention could have been played to Mia Goth's character as a contrast to Dakota Johnson's. But I admit, so this is not a flawless movie. Um, but having said that, I mean, I love just about everything else. The, the set design, the acting, the aesthetics, uh, the characters and the matrons, the depictions of witchcraft as this b- brutal, really kind of invasive form of cruelty. Um, I even liked how the dance studio kind of served as this microcosm for the divisions and power struggles that were occurring in the backdrop of the film, uh, with the cold war. Um, and I liked how dancing actually served a purpose kind of both with the plot and as a symbol of female empowerment. Uh, I like the original Suspiria. It's an amazing example of uh, the power of cinema as a visual medium, but it lacks a lot of plot and logic. Um, And that's kind of what keeps me from returning to it regularly. And that kind of goes for a lot of Italian horror. Um, They're not strong on plot. And I'm a very story-driven person. Um, So this version of Suspiria gave me that, at least. Um, I don't think one is, for me at least, better than the other. I can see myself returning to them both. I've kind of viewed them more as inverse reflections of each other, where they offer things that the other one lacks. You know, the original was vibrant and bombastic, um, but it lacked story. And this one is filled with story, but it's consciously muted and quiet. Um, But I like them both for different reasons, so... Anyway, the film had my attention. It kept me thinking, and I kept reflecting on its images for days and days afterwards. I will admit that third act was great. I, I genuinely did enjoy it. I, I will say that the psychiatrist character was a complete throwaway character for me. I mean, the only, I feel like the only reason they added all of that with the psychiatrist was so that um dakota johnson could have that feel-good redemption at the end of the movie which is just a bs reason to stick an entire character in the movie i mean for those of you who are familiar with the original suspiria the psychiatrist is in the movie for all of three minutes in the original he has one quick scene with our heroine you know outside of a library and that's it whereas in this movie he is a major major part of the storyline and really throughout the whole movie i'm just like why is he here what is his purpose? Now, I, I know they introduce that part later in the film where they say someone has to witness the events, you know, for it to go through. And I don't know that that felt like a throwaway line to me more than anything. But then once we got that heartfelt little moment there at his bedside at the end of the movie, then I'm like, I threw my hands in the air. I'm like, oh, there it is. That's why they put him in this movie. Literally, they added 45 to 50 minutes of storyline with the psychiatrist just to have that feel good moment with mother Suspiria at the end. And that just irked the hell out of me. I don't know. I I guess it just didn't work for me as much as it worked for other people. I still love the movie. I still think the movie is visually stunning. Like I said, that third act, that final scene in the basement is amazing. And the very first kill in the movie, you know, the dance sequence kill is probably one of my favorite kills of the year. 
if not my actual favorite kill of the year, because I actually can't think of anything that really jumps out ahead of that one right now. But yeah, I love the movie. I will always be uh, a defender of the original. I absolutely love Argento. I, I, I love that movie. I've never really had a major problem with the story. I could admit it's a little convoluted at times, but I, it works for me. I absolutely, I absolutely loved it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not really going to argue with anybody who's got this remake on their top 10 because it is a fine film. And I, at least I'll give them credit for doing something different. They didn't just, you know, throw a red filter on a camera and just make a shot for shot remake of the original. So I'll give them credit for doing something original and for the different, you know, the tone of the movie is a little bit different from the original. And I actually enjoyed the dancing. Go figure. I've never been a fan of ballet by any stretch of the imagination, but that big dance sequence there towards the end, I thought was great. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I found myself liking certain scenes and then, basically just wishing it would end <laughs> you know what i'm saying like it was it was just, long yeah it was too long and too drawn out and there wasn't enough i mean horror in it for me and then uh, i believe that uh, i know mike merriman had said you know it didn't earn the ending you know, with with all the heads exploding. No, it's and, true. And and yeah. one of the biggest problems that Mike had with it that I also had with it was just the sense of danger. Like Dakota Johnson's uh, character, we I never felt like she was in danger at any point in this movie. Mm-hmm. Obviously, once you get to the end, you find out why. But yeah. but well, that's why I, I said more attention should have been given to Mia Goss character. Yes, well yeah. she was she was the best part about yeah. the movie. Yeah. Mia Goth was the best part about the movie. Right. And, as far as performances go, yeah, I'll agree. Yeah, like I really don't disagree with any of the criticisms. I mean, I brought them up myself. It's just mm-hmm. I thought the rest of it worked for me, you know, that to kind of make up for some of that stuff. Sure, sure. It worked. I yeah. mean, I, I, I still had it rated fairly high, but yeah, it definitely didn't get anywhere near my top 20 or 25. It's definitely one that, I mean, a lot of times when I think of my top 10, I think about which movies am I going to want to watch again? Exactly, soon. Yep. And this is one that I do want to return to again. Um, so that's that's kind of how I end up determining what goes on the top of my list. It, there's ha- There's got to be something, some rewatchability in there. But this is definitely one that I can see going back to. I know that it was a slog for you, <laughs> Mark. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I Well, find well I mean, there, there's also the whole thing with Tilda Swinton. Um, let me tell you, I absolutely did not know coming going in that she played the psychiatrist. <laughs> Spoiler. Okay. <laughs> but as soon as he caught on the screen, I was like, that's Till Swinton. <laughs> I didn't know it was, quite that fast. It was, but... it was painfully obvious <laughs> with the high pitched voice. Yeah, the, the voice did not I mean, sound masculine. That's no, it yeah, was yeah. distracting. Yeah, I was yeah. like so to me, it's basically pretentiousness, you know. Oh, oh, let's give Tilda something else to do. They'll never know it's her. Bull crap! <laughs> it it would have been better if you're going to put that character in at all. It would have been better had you actually, you know, 
cast a, a 70 some year old man that would have been better and not distracting yeah so because to me it was distractingly obvious when i get udo Kier to actually play that role <laughs> I mean, he was a psychologist, psychiatrist in the beginning, in the first one, wasn't he? Well, cause wasn't they, that cause him they, as a young man, you know, when he was talking to was her that outside? Who, was that him? In Suspiria, yeah. He was the one talking to her outside the, outside oh, the library. Okay. I didn't realize that was Uda. Yeah, well, I mean, he's dubbed. But, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think it'd be cool to see Udo Kier come back and, <laughs> you know, play that role. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, like I said, I, I enjoyed parts of it, but it just way too long, way too pretentious, and uh, I don't know, payoff just wasn't wasn't enough for me. So, alrighty, uh, we are at number five, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so, Next. so yep. Captain Creepy, number five. All right, here we go with another one of my stretches here, and uh, Jerry had mentioned this one too, and uh, well as far as it being a stretch to make the list, and that would be upgrade. Mm-hmm. I, I can get the, I can get, on, I remember when you watched that, you told me how much you enjoyed it and I, I enjoyed it too. Yeah. I wanted to buy it. I never yeah. did, but I wanted to after I watched <laughs> it. <laughs> it's a great movie. I, I, I did enjoy it. Um, yeah. It's more of a you know, sci-fi thriller than yeah. it's horror, but it's got horror elements in it. I mean, I will admit it ends very horror that, that the, the very last, the very last bit when you actually get the reveal of what's going on, right. that was very horror, but all throughout the movie, it's just straight action, which, right. you know, that's fine. And- and I guess with the theme that a lot of people have been touching on with AI taking over humanity, I guess that could be horrific. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely could. <clears throat> I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna say nothing about it. That's a good, <laughs> that's a good one. It's mm. a good movie. So if, if the worst thing that happens is somebody watches that movie because you put it on the list. That's a good thing, so. <laughs> All right. Mr. Venom, number five. All right. My number five has already been mentioned by Vin, I believe, in his honorable mentions. Um, and that is uh, Demian Rugna's Terrified from Argentina, um, also known as Aterados. That was my number just- nine. Yeah. Oh, oh, it was on your list. Okay. I wasn't sure if it, that, if it was that or Veronica that was in your honorable mention. Yeah, Veronica was honorable. Yep. Okay, yeah, I, I swapped them. But yeah, yeah, I, this movie just stunned me. This, this is a movie that left me speechless in multiple scenes. I mean, the very first, you know, one of the opening scenes with the wife and the shower stall, I, I'm sorry, but that was gut wrenching to me. Cause I, mm. I, 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 when I watch horror movies, I tend to try to plug myself in to one of the male characters and just kind of be like, okay, how would I act? What would I, what do I think I would do in this situation? And you know what? I don't know that I could have done anything differently than the husband in the movie did. I mean, he just has this sh- look of absolute shock and just, he, you know, he, he can't really process what he's seeing. And, uh, you know, and I watched this movie with my wife. And, and again, like I said, I plugged us into that situation and I almost started tearing up because I, I don't know what I would do. I mean, it's just you're just sitting there watching your wife get pummeled and then there's like nothing you can really do. I don't I don't really want to get into too much specifics about the scene because I really think it needs to be experienced. But, yeah, like Vin was saying, you know, it's it's a glorified anthology film, you know, based around. 
um, some families in this neighborhood that seems to be terrorized by this entity that, you know, we don't really get a whole lot of explanation on what's going on. But in this situation, I was OK with it. I, I was OK with a little bit of amb- ambiguity. I didn't need everything given to me on a silver platter. So um, and and that last little scene of horror with that, I don't know what the heck it was chasing Nunez's car. I mean, my, my <laughs> wife and I both. <laughs> like vocally yelled yeah. and we're just I rewound like, that. Yeah. Oh yeah. We were both like, you know, WTF was that, I mean, that was just some insanity. So yeah, absolutely love this film from beginning to end. I have very little negative things to say about it. And, you know, in most years it would probably be my number one considering how much I loved it. But as good as this year was, it is only my number five. That is terrified from Argentina. There with you. It's a good one. Oh yeah, it's a good one. All right, so it's me, right? Yes, sir. Number five's already been mentioned. It's Apostle. Uh, this movie was great. Uh, <laughs> it had shades of uh, Wicker Man. Oh yeah, and uh, just great performances, great acting, great uh, cinematography, great writing. The the creature. Or the the goddess or whatever. Which what a, what a weird <laughs> weird thing to put on screen, but it was so awesome. <laughs> and um, you know, a story of redemption. Uh, it was, I mean, the score was great. Everything about that movie was was great. Yep, so totally blew me away. Number five, that is Apostle. <laughs> All right, back to you, Vin, for number four. Uh, this one I know already appeared on your list, Mark, and that's The Ritual. Um, yeah, David Bruckner, uh, he gave us what I believe, you kind of already mentioned it uh, in other terms, but I think he's the best monster design of the year. Uh, I, I love it. Um, yeah, this, and this creature is within a story, you know, about these, um, I know, I think this is in your honorable mentions, right, Mr. Venom? Yes, sir. I think, right, yeah, this kind of estranged, um, these middle-aged men, you know, and I, I kind of, I, 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 at least the first time I saw it, definitely found their, uh, their relationship genuine, um, and pretty convincing. Um, and I also, I mean, I really happen to have something of an affinity for, I love kind of Norse culture and also like kind of pre-Christian Northern European culture, um, the Germanic culture, you know, uh, of kind of the dark ages and the Roman times. And, you know, I, I just, I, I love how the film tapped into that. Um, so you have this kind of, this pagan deity they end up seeing that it, it just evokes these aesthetics that, um, just fit so well with what that thing was supposed to represent. Um, and it totally drew me into that last act. Uh, so yeah, this is one of the earliest 2018 films that I watched and it, I don't think it ever moved from my top five. Yeah, it was, it was an early, I think that came out, what, February or March? One of those dropped on, uh. On Netflix, mm-hmm. yeah, it was just good stuff, man. So so good. All right, let's move on to Captain Creepy number four. Man, it seems like I was just on here just a minute ago. Too too soon. Now, uh, <laughs> coming in number four, uh, you guys probably wouldn't agree with this one, but I happen to like this uh, movie franchise, and that's going to be Insidious Four. Oh, hell no. <laughs> You're actually not the first person I've heard put that on their top ten. So, Oh, okay. That's, that's good. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, 
the movie was okay. Yeah. I just to me it was uh like the weakest of the insidious movies. Oh, I like I, I, I like the better than three. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I didn't hate the movie at all, and I do this is a franchise I keep on rooting for <laughs> because I really want you know to get another great entry, kinda like we have for the first one. Uh but it, this would ultimately go on my disappointments list. Um, you know, I, I didn't think it was bad, but I definitely wished it was better. Yeah, I would have picked oh, sure. number two over this one, but yeah, having to be uh, 2018, it, I had to go with that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's still nailed atmosphere. Um, it was nice to see the kind of origin story of Lin Shay and her two tech guys. Um, I, I, like I said, I think this was, this was kind of like a love letter to insidious fans. I fully admit it's not nearly as good as the first two. And, you know, some people can make an argument that the third one is better as well. I just personally, I wasn't a big fan of the protagonist in the third one, the girl with the broken leg. Uh, she did very little for me. Whereas this one, I, I, I will admit that Lynn Shay's granddaughter kind of annoyed me ever so, or, granddaughter or niece uh, i guess grand niece i guess she she was a little on the abrasive side as far as like just you know the, the kind of high school college mentality in a horror movie so you know she rubbed me out the wrong way a little bit but all in all i enjoyed it it's not a stellar film by any stretch it's not even one of the two best in the four movie franchise but for whatever it's worth i didn't regret my time in the theater i i feel like i'm i'm the more that they explore the explore the the further, the less interesting it becomes, yeah, and the less right. scary it becomes. And especially this demon that just has like key fingers, I, I wasn't really understanding uh, what the key fingers were all about. And I, I just I found the ending of that film very underwhelming, unfortunately. Uh, but it had a couple of good set pieces, like with the she was opening up the luggage trunks and stuff in the tunnel. I thought that was pretty yeah. good, but yeah. All right, well, Mister Venom. You come on in with your number four. All right. My number four is one that's already been mentioned in some honorable mentions. And this is this movie is my emotional journey of the year. This this definitely was the movie that elicited the most tears from Mr. Venom. Yes, Mr. Venom can cry sometimes, too. Um, <laughs> but uh, this movie did it to me from beginning to end. And that ending, it, the ending basically left me a blubbering idiot. And that is, of course, uh, Cargo. Starring Mr. Martin Freeman, written by Yolanda Ramke, directed by Ben Howling and Yolanda. Um, I absolutely love this movie. I loved almost everything about it. No, no, correction. I loved everything about it. This movie just, it spoke to me in a lot of ways. Um, I definitely had an emotional journey with Martin Freeman's character because he makes, he makes a decision early on that kind of costs his wife her life, um, which just, really really irked me early in the movie like I, I was already not on board with this character because of the one decision that he made um about withholding some information from his wife um which in my opinion makes zero sense in this world i mean in, in you know in a post zombie apocalypse world it's like how are you not 100 percent honest with your wife but that's a story for another podcast Point is, you know, um, Martin Freeman plays a dad who has a newborn child. He is bitten by a zombie and has 48 hours before he turns. And he's basically spending the duration of the film looking for someone to care for his, you know, infant daughter. 
Um, and the movie just kind of goes along from there. But yeah, that final scene, it, they got me. They got Mr. Venom, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we have a recording of that. Uh, five dollars. I will deny it left and right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my number four again has already been mentioned, and it is uh, Mandy. Uh, another really, really. A great experience at the theater. I was like, what the heck am I watching? Uh, there was just so much. Um, I mean, yes, it's definitely style, but it wasn't style over substance, even though it was a, um, a pretty simple plot. Just the, uh, the villains were despicable, uh, especially the, you know, uh, what was, was his name? Linus? I think the, so. the main guy, the bad guy, Linus. I forget now. Jeremiah, Jeremiah Sand. Jeremiah Sand, but the actor's the guy name, playing yes, was, uh, Linus, Linus Roche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, just creepy. Uh, the whole naked dance was creepy. Oh. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, just I mean the 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 way Nicolas Cage just kind of. Like for instance, the the thing where he's they're killing somebody and then he he sits and he just just gets this huge snort of cocaine, <laughs> you know, just like <laughs> off the table, and then he's off of his, you know to do more killing. Uh, it was just it was so much fun. Uh, I have yet to rewatch it, so we'll see if it holds up. But uh, yeah, I, I gave yeah. it. Uh, I think I gave it a nine and a half out of ten. Um, I think it holds up. Watch. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've watched it multiple times. I and I love it more every time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's not out on Blu-ray yet, is it? I don't believe so. No, it's just on Shutter. Yeah, I need. I need to. As soon as that comes out on Blu-ray, I'll be able to, you know, mm-hmm. give it a proper watch. I hope they do a 4K release. This movie deserves it. Yeah, I would. I would assume they would. I hope so. All right. So now we're back to Vin. Yep. Uh, number so three. My number three has also already been mentioned. Uh, it's a quiet place. Uh, John Krasinski's directorial debut, or no, well, at least no, he, he directed something else before this, right? He had a small film or something. Possible. Trying to remember. I, I, thought, I thought he had something small before this, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I keep, there's not much I can add. I mean, there's. I think he serves up a master class intention. Um, yeah, at the same time, he gives us plenty of heart, uh, a family that we can root for. Um, we see real vulnerability on display in the film, uh, you know, especially involving children and, uh, you know, only so much. I mean, again, this is a big theme that we see this year, uh, is parents and we, we've seen it in past years too, but I mean, it, it, we're seeing it more and more is the parental fear that either you, in this case, you won't be able to save your children. Um, you know, in other films, sometimes it's the fear that you are the danger to your child. Uh, but we're seeing these themes over and over again. But this one, I think, is it's one of the the most uh, you know glaring examples of that fear. Um, get really inventive set pieces and just overall, this is a, a really well directed monster film. Yep, I agree. Enjoyed it tremendously. Uh, man, just that whole bathtub scene mm-hmm. it was so suspenseful and uh yeah i i i give it uh top 10 just for that daggone scene 
<laughs> and the nail scene. Oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's good stuff. <laughs> All right, let's give Mister Captain Creepy number three. Come on, number three is going to be easy because we just did an episode about this movie, and I think we talked close to two hours about it. So I really don't need to say much about it. Just go back and listen to our previous episode of it. That's going to be Halloween uh, 2018. All right. Mm-hmm. No, good times. no arguments. It's a good movie. Good yep. movie. Jerry? All right. Well, my number three is Mark Nato's number four, and that is Panos Cosmatos Mandy. Um, th- I saw this movie in theaters out here in L.A. the first time. I saw it I actually saw it at an Academy Awards theater. It's one of the uh, one of the theaters where the Academy members actually go to watch movies. So the screen is a little bit smaller than your standard multiplex, but it's a full 4K screen with uh, Dolby 7.1 in the theater. So the sound is amazing. This soundtrack in that theater was stellar. I absolutely loved every not just the soundtrack, but the score as well. Just Anything going on audio-wise just sounded amazing in this theater. Uh, the visuals, obviously, we've already discussed. Um, it's very modern Suspiria with its use of uh, bright reds and, and you know, deep crimsons, things like that. Um, yeah. Like I said, we've already discussed the movie. I mean, it's, it's Nicolas Cage's performance of the year. Uh, I mentioned it earlier. He also did Mom and Dad. So this was actually a pretty good horror year for Nick Cage. Hopefully he keeps that going because I know he's actually going to be in the next uh, Lovecraft adaptation, I believe, right? Wasn't isn't that Nick Cage? I think it was. I thought I read that somewhere, but um, I'm not sure. Yeah, so hopefully Nick Cage, uh, you know, doesn't abandon the horror genre because he fits perfectly. His over the top performance style fits our genre just perfectly. You know, if if it fits the tone of the movie, then it should always be a home run. So yeah, let's hope this is just the beginning of uh, Nick Cage's foray into our favorite genre. <laughs> I'm not sure how often he says no to projects. So no, there there is that. I mean, if they if they got cash, he'll he'll right. do it. <laughs> and by the way, Mandy is available on Blu-ray, fourteen ninety six at Amazon, and I'm not getting paid by Amazon. So <laughs> cough it up, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> All right, my number three is a movie that has not yet been mentioned ever. <laughs> ever by anybody <laughs> um halloween 2020 anna, i'm sorry go ahead <laughs> it's anna and the apocalypse oh that movie was great <laughs> um another one i, I saw a, in 2017 <laughs> oh my gosh i had a great time with this film uh it's a musical which if you know me you know i love musicals and you would think that okay a horror musical this cannot be any good but man the music and the songs were actually very well done very well written uh and good gore good uh characters and the neat thing is is that it it actually had uh some heart yeah had some heart to it as well um that uh you know i I was feeling for the characters so uh as soon as this this is available did you see his vod or how did you see it um I believe I rented it on, is it iTunes? Probably. Okay. I saw it at uh, Shriek Fest in LA last year. I tried running oh, it on Amazon last week, actually, and it wasn't available. So I'll have to look it up and see where I saw it. All right. I know I rented it 
I bet you. I bet you it was. Uh... It just had a theatrical run at the end of last year, so it's probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not sure if it's got a home video release yet, but if it doesn't, it makes sense. Because I was I was waiting the entire year for that movie. Like I said, I saw that movie at Shriekfest in 2017. That would have been in September of 2017. And literally for all of 2018, I'm like, when is this movie going to come out? And the fact that it only had a tiny little theatrical run, I was actually disappointed. I thought I thought this movie would have worked. Um, maybe not for the masses, like a big thing. But I mean, I, I thought it deserved a, a wider release than it got. Yeah, I mean, this is one that I was hoping to see before... We, you know, we did this episode, and I just, mm-hmm. yeah, at least the, yeah. the things that were available to me to watch it on, I wasn't able to see it. So, yeah, yeah, I think I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Something, something to look forward to. So, Vin, number two, uh, two. I think this was mentioned maybe in somebody's uh, honorable mentions, possibly, uh, but it is Annihilation, um, mm-hmm. Alex Garland's. Uh, again, you know, you hear some people thinking that maybe it's not horror. I don't really understand that. Uh, this offers, I think, some amazing examples of body horror, existentialist horror. Um, I think it's even a bit of a creature feature because there's a bear scene. It's one of the creepiest damn things I saw all year. Um, I mean, in this movie, you know, Garland, he, he combines beauty with disturbing imagery, um, in a manner that I just, I couldn't dry my eyes away from. I mean, and ultimately, the film, I think, is thought provoking. It's kind of a commentary on human nature. Uh, yeah, I think if I, I know some people got confused by the end. Um, if if you are confused by the end, uh, rewatch it and pay close attention to the conversation that Natalie Portman's character has with Jennifer Jason Lee's character uh, when they talk about mankind's instincts, uh, because that's kind of the key to unlocking all the decisions that are made in this film. And, you know, when you combine that with what's going on with the DNA and the shimmer, I think that it, it all comes together really well at the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a movie that I, I couldn't stop thinking about for, you know, a long time after seeing, and I, I, I can't wait to keep returning back to it. Yeah, it's a good film. Good film. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I think a lot of, including myself, I might have just not quite understood, you know, the the end and what and what was happening. So that might have kind of, you know lowered my uh my score a little bit but i it's one i need to uh to to revisit i'll tell you off mic what i was thinking so all right <laughs> we're done recording all right uh captain creepy number two this one i haven't heard too many people talk about this movie in a positive light um it's from one of my favorite movie fan- franchises uh, other than insidious i know what it is that's correct you can say it it's the nun. You got it. That uh, is correct. And it's a. Uh, it's. I would think it would have more love in the in the horror community, but that's not what I saw when this movie was released. Um, but it, it was one of my favorites, and I don't have many uh, 4K Blu-rays uh, of the horror genre, but this is one of them I had to get on 4K when it came out. I think they nailed the gothic atmosphere. Uh, I mean, I thought the, the sets, the set design was all great. The cinematography all worked. My, my problem was just with the story and the performances. There were, there were a few plot holes in the movie that were gaping that, you know, kind of, 
left me scratching my head like, you know, well, if if that's correct, then how can this be correct? You know, that that kind of situation where I'm I'm thinking about statements that were made in the first act and they don't jive with statements that are made in the third act. So, you know, but ultimately, I did love the movie. I, I liked it. I, I liked it a lot. I, I like I said, they nailed the gothic atmosphere. I yeah. mean, ne- next to the lodgers, I don't think anybody did it really that much better this year so i I, and once again keith this is not the first list i've heard uh this movie appear on for a top 10 um that's great yeah one of the one of the the 22 shots guys had it and i think he added up pretty high too like four or five so you're not alone in your love of the movie by awesome the the contra movies always do a really good job with like set design and you know, and creating an atmosphere and stuff like that. It's, you know, again, it would, the nun is the same situation with me as I thought it looked great. Um, it was the script that yeah. I, I couldn't really get behind. Um, but I enjoyed it as well. Keith. Yeah. I liked it. I didn't have the balls to put it on my list. Uh, uh, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta say the guy that I went to the movies with, he was, he was pretty calm during this movie performance. So that was a, a good thing. <laughs> that, that would be Mr. Mark Nato. He was not hollering at any people around me during the, oh, that's good. this point. This is great. Yeah, well, that's because because they weren't talking. That's right. Yeah, we probably saw an early performance like in, in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, did you do number two, Jerry? Not yet. Okay. Go. Oh, it'll be easy, quick and easy. My number two is Revenant Vins number three, and that is uh, John Krasinski's A Quiet Place. Um, you know, obviously we've already discussed it. This was by far my favorite movie experience of the year. Um, I, I will still say that Mom and Dad was probably the most fun I had in the cinema this year. Um, but but this movie, like I said, the fact that they were able to get everybody to be quiet to the point where. I mean, people were scared to eat their popcorn and snacks, you know, during the quiet scenes. I, I absolutely love that. It's almost like they plug themselves into the movie. Like we had that like same experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this movie definitely was made for the theater experience. So if you missed out, that's too bad. But I, I have bought this. I bought the 4K Blu-ray and I still think the experience is good. Now, I will admit I have a 60 inch 4K TV and a fairly, uh, and a really good Sony sound bar. So I mean, my experience might be a little bit better than some people's experience at home, but I still think, uh, that the experience carries over to the home setting. You know, turn off all the lights. Watch it at night. You're still going to have a really good time with it. I've watched it at least three times since I bought it, and it, it, I just love it more and more every time. Yep, can't argue there. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Is it my number two? Yes, yes. sir. Yes, so. Oh, my just, here it is. All right. Uh, I haven't heard this mentioned on anybody's list so far today. Honorable mentions or anything. I don't even understand why. I can only uh, assume that other than Jerry, you guys didn't see it. And that is Incident in a Ghost. Oh, so good. That movie came out of nowhere for me. Yeah. And it blew me away. It was brutal. The story was good. The twist was good. You know, some people say they knew where the twist was. No, they didn't. I didn't see it. Um, You're talking about the first twist, like, you know, the one that's yeah, like halfway yeah. through. Yeah, nobody saw that coming. Don't be stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. 
But uh, yeah, that is a great, great film by the uh, director of the Martyrs. Yeah, of of Martyrs, not the Martyrs. Yeah. Um, and uh, it is, it is one hundred percent a must watch, like as soon as possible. Yeah, I did end up seeing this one. Oh, um, you didn't I like just, it? I wasn't. It, it was, it was okay. Um, they were, yeah, it, it deal. It, it relies very heavily on the unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think can get kind of frustrating um, when it does it repeatedly. Uh, you know, the, the first twist coming up, I did see coming because I kept saying to my wife, I'm like, I don't understand. Like, how much time has actually passed? Why are they having this conversation? They should have had this conversation like 15 years ago, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so then when the twist happened, I'm like, okay, now I get why none of that stuff was making sense to me at first. So then we're in this mm-hmm. second situation. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that it was it was a lot of like it was just catch and release, catch and release, which I yeah, it, it's just that ends up not being my type of horror necessarily. And there were just there were questions I had about the house that I didn't understand why certain things were there or how these guys fit into this whole thing. Uh, there were there were a lot of times when my wife and I looked and we're like, well, how did he follow them through woods for an entire night? And then all of a sudden he catches them and he's able to bring them back in his ice cream truck. You know, it, there were just a lot of things that we just kind of kept thinking. And then, and mm-hmm. then there's that last thing at the end, and we were like, "Oh my god, is this another, another twist?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> where it's just, you know, all these things that were frustrating me. I'm like, "Is it just going to be played off?" It's just like, "Well, you can just, you know, explain it all because of this." And I get kind of irritated with that kind of stuff. So I didn't think it was bad. It just wasn't my thing. Mm-hmm. Well, it was my thing. <laughs> so yeah. there, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. All right, let's do it. Number one. Uh oh. Vin, Vinard. All right, there's no surprise here, I think. Um, nope. <laughs> no, I mean, Ari Aster is hereditary. Um, I wish I can come out of left field with some kind of original number one that nobody's heard of, but no, everybody's freaking seen this movie. Um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What was that again? Yeah. <laughs> I'll spell it out. Is that, a, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I honestly think this was one of the year's best examples of the genre. Um, yeah, we, we see a family being torn apart, you know, uh, they're, you know, we kind of we bear witness to the the f- horror of fate. Uh, these characters are predestined to play a role in a scheme that they would willingly never participate in. Um, we get this intriguing story involving conspiratorial covens and demons and a family collapsing beneath the weight of grief, and it's all performed effectively by a really impressive cast. I mean, this is it, the final act of this film. Really, just drives it all home. Um, and it definitely gave me, I know, I'm sure other people are gonna be talking about this, so I don't want to hog everything. Uh, but it gave me definitely some of the most lasting images of the year. Um, you know, some of the best horror moments. Um, but yeah, this, this movie deserved the hype, I think. It was a very, very well done horror film that is gonna, is gonna stand the test of time, I think. Yep. I agree with you. <laughs> um, so I'm just gonna tell you my number one, Hereditary. Uh, Mr. Venom. Uh, three guesses. <laughs> uh, My number one is Slender Man. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought. That's what I thought. No, I mean, this, this was an experience beyond experiences. Um, let me give you a quick caveat. Uh, I have asthma. I've had asthma my entire life. I have not had an asthma attack in over 10 years. This movie gave me an asthma attack. Yes, in the third act of this movie, as the credits are rolling, I'm in the theater realizing that I'm in the middle of an asthma episode and I like wow. run out of there and get home because I didn't have my inhaler with me. But yeah, that's how much this movie shook me. That third act is just 
it, it, it shook it shook my soul. I mean, just the, some of the imagery Im- images that I will never ever get out of my head. And I've watched this movie multiple times. This was, this was an instant purchase the day it was released. Absolutely had to be a part of this one right away. I've already watched it two or three times. Uh, I had watched it twice in theaters because that was just amazing. L- luckily, no asthma attack on the second viewing in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I can't not since the witch has a movie moved me the way this one did just the the way it tackles its elements of grief and like vin was saying fate and the family unit just it's masterful and and to think just like the witch this is a directorial debut i mean ari aster may have written a check that the rest of his career may not be able to cash same thing with robert eggers and the witch i mean we're patiently awaiting his follow-up to the witch as well which i think is the nosferatu remake but i might be mistaken on that but i mean yeah uh, ari aster has catapulted himself into you know one of my favorite directors just on the strength of this one movie. And like I said, it mirrors pretty much everything I said about the witch and Robert Eggers two years ago or three years ago. So yeah, without, without a doubt from the instant I walked out of this theater, this movie was my number one and it never, nothing even came close. My number two was a quiet place and it's hereditary is still head and shoulders above a quiet place in my opinion. So yeah, this not only is the movie of the year for me, this may be the movie of the decade. Um, I, I didn't think anything would beat out the witch for a movie of the decade for me, but I'm starting to think that I'm, I, I'm not going to say it absolutely with, you know, assur- with total assuredness right now, but on a few more rewatches, I'm pretty sure this is going to become my favorite movie of the 2010s, genre, regardless of genre. Well, we'll see. Next January, when we do the the top twenty five movies of the two thousand ten, but uh, yeah, I think that uh, a lot of people around horror podcasting world uh, have this as number one. Um, Keith, what did you have at number one? Well, I think you know what it is. Uh, but the 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 saying less is less. I mean, less is more, and more is more. A quiet place is my number one. Nice. Good pick. Also acceptable. Yeah. Also acceptable. (laughs) Absolutely. As long as it wasn't, uh, you know, what's a a, a Slender Man or uh, something like that. That makes up for Demon House. Right. (laughs) No, I'm not sure it does. I'm not sure it does. No. Kidding. All right. Well, that is pretty good top ten. I think we had a lot of movies that we hit. Let's uh, let's talk just real quick because uh, I don't want this thing to go too long. But let's talk about like disappointments. I, I don't want to nece- <laughs> necessarily say worst of the year because I mean I've seen some indie stuff that's oh, yeah. just horrible Trocious. crap. <laughs> but like, what was a movie that uh, or movie or two movies that you were expecting more from and you didn't get it. I only, you, I, I only had one, honestly, because like I said, I try not to get into expectations. I've already gotten into it on this podcast and many others where I try to kind of curtail my expectations of movies. But um, a movie that was being billed as the Expendables of Horror, um, and that, oh. that of course, was uh, Death House, which, my 
God, was this movie garbage. Just abs from beginning to end, there is nothing that I can say positive about this movie. I, I, I'm ashamed that Gunnar Hansen even has his name attached to this thing because from what I understand, this was Gunnar Hansen's like pet, like passion project. Like he actually, yeah. he died during the filming of this movie and he made everyone around him in his little circle promise that they would finish the movie. Well, you can, you, can obviously see where you know gunner's influence is lacking in this movie because it's just so bad i mean i i literally wanted to walk out of the theater but i went to a premiere that actually had the director and a few of the stars none of the big horror names but like the two fbi agents for anybody who actually saw the movie um uh-huh. and i feel bad for you if you did but yeah i just so i didn't want to sneak out of there early you know with with that much cast and crew there with me and plus you know it was kind of a special event it was the la premiere they were calling it so so i didn't want to leave but yeah that movie and and just when i thought it couldn't get any worse it just kept getting worse and worse and worse until the absolutely laughable ending that just wow so i i'm I'm not gonna say it's the worst movie of the year i mean it's not even in it might be in my top five worst movies of the year but it is easily my biggest disappointment of 2018 all right how about you vin um, I mean, really quickly, just, uh, I mean, one of them was, uh, the devil and father of Morte. Oh. Um, Ooh, I mean, I can't believe this is a freaking, uh, you know, documentary. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I mean, we said it so many times, being I mean, the exorcist is one of my favorite films of all time. Um, but it, this is just, this was hokey. Um, <laughs> it was unconvincing. Uh, it was, I, it would not have been. I think it would have barely worked as a, you know, an extra feature on on an Exorcist Blu-ray, you know. Um, but then to release on its own, it, it was it was a very frustrating experience. That one, yeah. Um, you know, and so to anyway, think something yeah. made by William Friedkin That's and the worst part of it was the uh, was the exorcism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I'm and saying course, that in quotes, by the way. In quote, yeah. quote unquote exorcism. Yeah, well, then he has the gall to talk about how he almost witnessed, like, supernatural things, but of course they didn't film that part. Nope. You know, and it's just like, come <laughs> on, man. Like, it's, cause the thing is, like, Freakin and Blatty, when he was still alive, they did like to talk up the whole fact that the exorcist was inspired by a supposedly real life exorcism, you know? Right. Um, and, you know, I always chalk that up to kind of a marketing gimmick. Uh, and I think that it's, this is kind of like almost like a marketing gimmick gone too far, <laughs> you know? Um, so that's one of them. Uh, I'd say uh, the Predator was pretty disappointing to me. Um, you know, it, I I love the first Predator film, and I wanted to see. Uh, I didn't want to see a CGI creature for more than half the film. Um, you know, I didn't need weird depictions of autism and PTSD <laughs> around these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was it was just this overblown action flick that it, it felt like it was trying to fit more into the Marvel universe than anything that the Predator films had really established at this point. So I was pretty disappointed in that. Um, we've already mentioned Winchester. That was disappointing to me. Uh, you know, I mean, how do you go wrong with a real-life Winchester mansion and Helen Mirren? And, mm. you know, it's, well, you, you do it by making it a bunch of jump scares instead of actually trying to create atmosphere or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hellraiser Judgment, oof, that was oh, rough. That the 90-minute Slipknot video, that's what yeah. I call that. Oh, my God, it was awful. <laughs> um... And the last one that I'll mention, it's, it is not a bad movie. 
I like a lot of this movie. I think it's actually a very, very well done movie, but it still was a disappointment to me. And I know, I think Jerry, you would, you would fall into this camp as well, but that's ghost stories. Um, great acting, creepy set pieces. I love the cinematography, a really strong premise, but I mean, just when a segment is starting to get interesting, we leave it. Um, and, then the overall narrative kind of peters out just when it could offer some really intriguing answers. I mean, I don't know. It's instead of tying things up in a novel inventive way, we're kind of given a pretty, what I think is a tired trope. Um, and it kind of served to diminish the potency of the stories that came before. Like I said, it's not a bad movie. It's actually a good movie. It's just one that I ended up finding really disappointed. I was really looking forward. I wanted to put this high up on my list and I couldn't. Yeah, this movie was getting a lot of praise when it came out, and uh, my wife and I went to see it I in the love theater. love haunting films. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it had a short uh, run out here in L.A. in the theater, so we decided to go check it out. Um, as far as the three short stories, I was on board, you know? I, I thought the tension was decent. Uh, Vin is right that the, the stories felt a little short. They could have They could have explored more themes in each story, but that ending, wow, did I hate that ending. When they actually show what all the different characters uh, from all the different, uh, from the three different stories, who they actually are at yeah. the end of the movie. Just, Oh wow. I wanted to throw something at the screen. I was so upset and I'm hearing multiple podcasters who have that in their top 10, which is fine. It's your top 10, but man, it's like people don't value endings anymore. I don't yeah, know. No. Or, or I guess just some people aren't as easily, I don't want to say offended, but that, you know, that style of ending, which I'm not going to get into in case anybody hasn't seen it, that style of ending has always been a cop out to me. And no, no matter here. how, yeah, yeah, no matter how good the movie is before it, it loses all credibility to me. Like any, any well wishes that it earned throughout the movie are completely lost with that ending. So it's really too bad because Martin Freeman was actually good. Again, yeah. Martin, you know, I was talking about Nicolas Cage's year in horror, Martin Freeman in Cargo and Ghost Stories, both really good movies, but, you know, one ended a lot better than the other. So, <laughs> All right. Any disappointments, Captain Creepy? Well, I think I have just one, but I think it's one that a lot of people were disappointed with. And I, I like the movie and I bought the movie when it came out. Um, and that would be The Meg. Yeah, I bought it too. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but I think the the uh you know general census was that it was going to be you know a little bit more intense and uh you know yeah yeah the problem but, is, is when you have an antagonist that big there's not really a whole lot of potential for bloody gory set pieces he's gonna swallow people whole you know it, it's not like Jaws where he's ripping limbs off and ripping heads off you know yeah, that's a really I mean, good it, point. Yeah, I mean, he's going to swallow pretty much every, like that scene, uh, on the beach with all, you know, with all the, uh, Chinese, I believe, swimmers and everything. Mm-hmm. I, people were talking about how bloody and gory that scene could have been, but it's like, do you not understand how big the Meg's mouth is? Right. That is all, true. You know, he, he'll probably eat like a whale, just keep his mouth open and just swim through his food right. and, and then just close his mouth. So, yeah, I mean, I, I understand the disappointment because it is a shark movie. It's, a you know, with a CG shark. So we expect some gore, but we knew it was PG-13 going in. So, you know, you can't expect a point. More. So, yeah. yeah, I still love the movie. I actually genuinely enjoyed it. It's not an upper tier shark movie by any stretch. Nothing will ever touch Jaws, in my opinion. But this it's definitely true. a second tier 
shark movie, you know, more along the lines of like a shark night or deep blue sea. Not quite great, but still better than like a sharknado, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> Which I also uh, love, by the way. So, shut up. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I, I wasn't that disappointed with the Meg. I actually bought it. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> uh, I got two. I mean, one, you can guess, Suspiria. Yep. I just thought, you know, I was, I was expecting more and did not get <laughs> what I was looking for. And then the other one, uh, again, not a bad movie or actually a really good movie. But Halloween 2018, uh, I, I just kind of felt like, like I gave, I think, an eight or eight and a half. I was expecting and wanting a 10 or a nine and a half. So that's, while that's still a good movie, it's, uh, you know, just a, a small, small disappointment for me this year. So, all right. Anybody has anything else to say? Bring on 2019. Exactly. I'm ready. I'm ready to go see uh, the Prodigy. Yeah, we got the Prodigy and Happy Death Day too in the next couple of weeks. And uh, for me specifically, I know Mark is gonna guffaw at this, but I am still very looking forward to Rob Zombie's new movie, um, only because it is the, the 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 end of the trilogy. You know, the House of a Thousand Corpses trilogy, which you know. Thank God. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> personally i i love devil's rejects it's my favorite rob zombie movie absolutely love it so i'm looking forward to a direct sequel i am very worried that they're gonna you know screw the pooch on this one but you know fingers crossed and you know as always i will keep my expectations low it's kind of funny because vin mentioned the predator as one of his disappointments and the funny thing is i went into that movie expecting garbage and garbage was what i was given so i wasn't disappointed <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. <clears throat> all right. Well, that's going to do it for us tonight. We're going to forego all the uh, the plugs tonight because I'm tired and it's quarter till midnight. And dang on it, I got to go to work at six in the morning. Uh, if you have any uh, comments or questions or you want to share your own list, you can go to our Facebook page, uh, The Horrorcast, or you can go to mine, uh, Facebook uh, dash slash The Mark Nato. You can uh, check us out on Facebook. Um, Twitter at the HCast, or you can email us. You can go old school, ask the horrorcast at gmail.com. But nice emails, please. <laughs> you can send me the hate. Uh, I love reading hate mails. Right. Send them that's to me. Right. <laughs> All right. So that's going to do it. It's a great year in horror, and we're looking forward to another great year in 2019. So keep listening to the horrorcast where it's all killer, no filler. Stay scared. Monsters, maniacs, creatures, ghosts, what type of horrors will be on this show? Uh, I hate to say this to you, Keith, but my penis is way too <laughs> <laughs>